you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer, episode 92. On today's episode, the Mondlings talk to Gerald Parsley, the man behind the American Masters event, and they talk about all the stuff behind the scenes and what went to putting it together. It's actually pretty interesting for once. So shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. A very good morning, afternoon, evening to you. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we're going to do the best we can to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you painting, sportsmanship, and the USA Master, I'm Chris New. And I'm the one who knocks. Yo, yo. What's up? How much? How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm good. Everyone's under the weather this week, it seems. I feel like, well, it's never-ending winter. Ugh, I know. Yeah. Okay, and it's Fat Tuesday. Hmm. Forgot my punch keys today. I see. I saw that on the news. I you totally didn't missed. See. I was busy. I couldn't get to the bakery Oof. today. You consider yourself Polish? I am Polish. For I just shame. Consider. I just uh, no. But I did. We did go. We got them. I mean, they've been selling them like crazy since last week. So we did get some. Mm. Just never made it to the bakery today. Got too sidetracked with I've everything. Never had one. So. They're a little messy, you know. And there's just tons of. Oh, but right. it's, it's so good. It's a huge tangent right off the bat. I like my punch keys. <laughs> Maybe we should take a moment to thank our sponsors. Yeah, sure. Did they make us punch keys? Uh, I don't know. Some of them might. Let's find out. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Yep. Mears Miniatures. M-I-E-R-C-E. Mini-assures.com. Mantic Games. Yes. Guild Painting. Dot com. And Battle Foam. Protecting your army. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's, yeah. the, we've gotten a bunch of entries for the contest. Anything uh, good? Contest thread is a little light. Uh, we've gotten a few people on the forum thread just saying, I prefer one or the other. You know, Some on Facebook. You gotta, yeah. You got to put it in the forum, in mm-hmm. the contest thread. Um, but uh, we did get a couple of entries. I'm not going to be playing them all here. Oh, uh, so they did send to you via voicemail. Mark Zielinski has sent us at least one, possibly two entries via voicemail. Uh, or he actually just emailed them to me. Right. Like he made MP3s and sent them to me. Um, Cranky was the first person to enter, and uh-huh. it's—I I think it was while he was driving. He just got on the phone and went ah! <laughs> I was like forever. Like it was made mine look short. That is okay. Well, so, you know, I, we said that if you if you make an interesting, we could use that as the sure battle phone protecting your army thing. So that's right. So uh, send them in, make them good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we got that going, uh, but we have no shout-outs because everybody is not bothering with the shout-outs anymore. <laughs> but if they wanted to phone in their army submission, how could they do that? They could do that with our voicemail nice. lines. Yes, folks, we have voicemail. It's one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six one seven five seven G H show six. Call now. Operators are standing by. Actually, they're not. It's just a voicemail line. Voicemail but is standing by. Voicemail. Anyway, if you are calling internationally, you can, from most countries, dial 001-757-GH-SHOW-6. And if you don't have letters on your phone, that's 001-757-441-4696. Call now. Call often. I wonder what area code 757 is. I have no idea. Because like, you just get weird random things like when you try to get these numbers like this, mm. especially if you're trying to get a specific you know, uh, set of letters. Right. Because Ohio Hammer's call in line is like either 773 or 847. It's like the Chicago. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, their exchange is a Chicago exchange. So I don't huh. know who 757 is, but I'm kind of curious. 
I don't know. I don't know either. All isn't right. That, isn't that there, that old song from the 70s? Six, five, Eight, six, seven, seven nine, five, three, oh, nine. nine. That's yeah, from the okay. 80s. Thanks, That's Chris. That's from the 80s. I don't older. know. I was... I was born in the That's 70s. That's Tommy Too Tall. Were you, you were born in the 70s, right? Yes. Okay. So I was old enough. I was in junior high when, uh, you know, our grade, you know, almost in junior high when. Gotcha. I. That was, yeah. That was by Tommy Two Tone. It was called Jenny. Thank you very much. I had no idea. Jenny, Jenny. I just knew there was a song out there that had that. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Christ. Now I'm going to have to find that and put it under the. No, music you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Because last thing I'm going to do is have my wife ask me why I'm paying money on iTunes <laughs> to download Tommy Two Tone. <laughs> it's for the show. It's all for the show. Oh, you gonna, you're all right. Yeah, you're gonna die on me, are you? You should download some Rick Astley too. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long day. I'm it has, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I sound weird, I'm a little congested. Like. I go from like being able to breathe no problem to not at all, and it's like I'm I'm like breathing funny and like yeah. I sound like I'm like sniffling, but my nose isn't running. It just kind of feels like it is. It's just like suddenly it's all uh, just like right. my nostrils get all inflamed. It's kind of because of the with the cold weather and it's so dry that they just get irritated and they like go. I go from being being fine to like <gasps> I can't breathe through my nose. <laughs> That's not good. So, yeah. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen during the show. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it. I think it is. Got a few uh, voicemails. I think I'm gonna. I think I've got those cleaned up enough. I think I'm gonna pop them at the end of the show. All right. The voicemails from the marath- when Borgio was marathon. Oh running. yeah. Get those in. Puffing it. Pop yeah. those in right at the end. But other than that, guys, uh, you know, if you want to sponsor a couple of shows or do something like that, that's great. Or um, leave us a voicemail. We love them. We will go to commercials. We will be back with news and rumors that are always brought to you by the Circle City Circuit. 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 Is that our new thing? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> flying by, you know. Oh, Lord. Just flying by the seat of my pants here. There you go. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Hey guys, um, this is Brad Collin from Vancouver, Canada. Um, I just want to say that I absolutely love the show. I appreciate all the hard work you guys put into it. It is awesome. Now, see, I have a bit of a request I'm hoping you can get the next show out pretty quick here. See, my anniversary is coming up, and I hope to get my lady in the mood, so to speak, on the drive home from the restaurant. The only surefire way I know is to let her listen to the sultry and rugged tones of Dave Whitek and Chris Yu. So if you could help me out with that, I'd appreciate it a lot. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
and we're back. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm going good. Yeah, happy to be back. Let me tell you. Happy to be anywhere. Right We've entered now. a weird zone here. But oh, yeah. Uh, I'm feeling okay. Let's talk uh, news and rumors. News and rumors. So what's new? I don't know. What's rumored? You heard anything? I haven't heard anything. This is... Nary a peep. This is awful radio. Um, <laughs> dear Lord. Keep it uh, together. White Dwarf Weekly. Um, okay, they got done with their three or four weeks of dwarf magazines. And, of course, the next magazine we knew would be Imperial Knights, and I picked one up. Favorite. Those actually look really good, those minis. Those models look great. And they're, they are comparably priced to one of the... Uh, the what do you call it? The private the colossals for Privateer Press. Oh, they're so like what sixty seventy? Oh no, the bucks? colossals, the ones that come on the big CD. I don't know how much of those are. They're like one hundred and fifty bucks. Oh, are that they giant really? Wow, Mountain Troll and stuff. Okay, it's one hundred and fifty. I know the Kador one, Harrison's Eyeball, is one hundred and forty, I think. And so these these guys are one hundred and forty a pop too. Hmm. So they're not cheap, but they're big. I mean, they're stupid big. Like when you see the picture, you see them stand next to a space marine. You're like, oh, that's like it's a, like Titan proportions. It's a it's a yeah. it's a it's a small Titan. Yeah. Right. So I think they look great. You know, they harken back to the days way back when you you know they'd have like Epic Space Marine where you can get all the Titans, Titan Legions. Right. That's what it looks like. It yeah. looks Really good. Yeah. I mean, I was I was impressed with the model. I picked up the first issue because it gives the fluff and the background mm-hmm. on them, and I read the whole thing, and that was kind of what I did. I said, I'll grab a white dwarf that's not fantasy centric. And see if there's anything there that I find interesting. Okay. And they still, it was still pretty good. I mean, they're regular monthly articles. Now, instead of having Jervis write once a month and Jeremy Vedic, now mm-hmm. they, you know, they can spl- spit them up, spl- uh, you know. Or spit them up. Spit them up, too. <laughs> Chew them up, spit them out. Um, but they can do that. Now, they can take multiple, you know, the different authors they had writing articles, and they can do them one, you know, a different guy in each article right. or in each month or each week. Wow. Different guy each week. That's what I meant to say. And so, I mean, like I said, I read it. I thought it was still pretty good. White Dwarf Weekly is still getting a thumbs up from me, even when it wasn't. Now, I mean, I also told, you know, Kathleen, I'm like, you know, I don't need any. You don't have to hold any for me for the rest of the month. Okay. Well, you, you cherry pick. Right. I mean, I'm not. I'm, the thing is, I'm not spending at four bucks an issue. 50 issues. I'm not spending $200 a year on White Dwarf. I'm right. just, I, I have other things to spend my money on. I wanted the dwarf ones. Or you ones. can spend 40 bucks a year and get the ones that you want. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the new Warhammer Visions is out. What is the cover? Uh, dwarfs. Ooh. <laughs> what a surprise. Eye candy yes. for you dwarf players out there. Yes. Um, it was funny. Not as many like flippy alternate scenes as they mm-hmm. had in the... Uh, in but the, I would imagine a lot of new photos with all the new product and everything. There is a lot of new photos. Now, there's also, uh, I hate to say it, there are some s- things that were in, I mean, they used some of the pictures from White Dwarf Weekly, too. Sure. Uh, it was it was expected. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hope it's not just, and it's not just pictures from White Dwarf Weekly. They kind of overlap a little bit. Yeah, but they, I mean, they did use a bunch of it. I mean, the, the long shots of the armies and all the units and stuff like that, mm-hmm. why, why not? But then you also get pictures like this, where you've got the dwarf slayer jumping oh, up wow. at that dragon. That's awesome. With this weird red, you know, like sort of mood lighting to set what the stage. What model is that? Is that the emperor dragon? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's one from Forge World. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, and you see the 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 troll uh, lord or the Slayer uh, Lord character. So when you see images it. like that, I mean that is that is a sweet image. Oh yeah, it's absolutely amazing. You know, but then on the next page it's Belagar Ironhammer, and it's the same picture of Belagar Ironhammer they use right. in every magazine and every promotional, and that's okay. Yeah. How many different pictures of him do you need? So yeah, you don't need more than this. And I actually kind of flipped through the whole thing, and I'm going to tell you, you know, it's about, you know, people complained the last one was all. Like the whole front half was Tyranids, mm-hmm. and then they had the armies on parade in the articles, and the last half was all Tyranids, and they didn't do that with this art with this issue. It's a ton of dwarfs. I ain't gonna kid you. There's a twenty d- ton of dwarfs. A lot of the same pictures from the White Dwarf. You know, especially you know, like when they go unit by unit for all the new units. Right. It's you know the White Dwarf pictures. Of course, there's other versions of the pictures. There's ones you can really zoom in on okay. that you couldn't do in the White Dwarf magazine. It's like the first 40% of the magazine is this cool dwarf stuff. And I was like, yay. So they, were you happy with it up to that point? Yeah. I mean, it okay. was I mean, it was just as good as the Tyranid stuff you were looking at last month. Right. Except it was an army I liked. You know what I'm saying? If it's a fantasy army, you know, you know it's, like, it's kind of like you were saying last month. Or last week, when, or yeah, it was last month when you first looked at it. it was, it's good for inspiration. Now, a lot of people mm. say, I don't need to pay 10 bucks for inspiration. I can go look on the Internet. Okay, but I don't have that luxury. I really don't. I don't sit around on the computer that much at all. If I'm not editing the show... Or you're not in front of a computer. I'm not in front of a computer. I'm doing most things on my phone. Well, the difference is you're, instead of you having to go out and look for the images, all the images are brought to you exactly. on a silver platter. Exactly. Then they've got With all the this... GW logo on yeah. it. They've got all this Forge World stuff this month, which is awesome. They go through the armies on parade. They got the parade ground. The armies on parade is a nice Imperial Guard army. Mm-hmm. They've got all this more of this uh, Forge. Uh, the, the what do you call it? The Golden Demon stuff. Yeah, is top notch. Then it comes back and it goes back to uh, the battle report. Which, by the way, now I realized it because I didn't read the battle report last month. It's the battle report from White Dwarf Weekly. It's the rats versus the dwarfs, except now instead of an actual report, it's just more pictures. More pictures. Makes sense. It's still kind of lame. I mean, it makes sense, but it's still... Uh, how are the pictures? Are they well, good? That's the thing. They're okay. Like, they don't actually tell... If they did enough pictures where they were kind of zooming in and doing all the cool stuff they do in right. the book, then where they could actually tell the story with the pictures, but which is possible. They don't do that, though? It, no. There's it's a lot it's a, hmm. there's a few close-ups, but a lot of it is still sort of the, the, the wide... It's just... It doesn't tell the story. And it doesn't get your blood flowing in terms of... Not really. Hmm. Uh, but then, it, like I said, it was that, and then they went into this big Tau kit bash thing. Oh, look, it's a Blanchitsu article. Here's eight pictures of stuff for him, for Inquisitor. But then, after doing the IG army and, mm-hmm. the, and all this stuff, there's a whole Dark Eldar army in here. They've got a whole oh, Dark cool. Eldar army showing up. And then they've got... Then it goes back right at the end to dwarfs. And it's funny because it's... Uh, it's like the rest of the stuff. There's like all the stuff that was old. The pictures of the bolt throwers and the right and the king on the throne. So they're like, don't forget, these are the stuff that we that isn't new. That we, all, that wasn't right, in the that we also sell. And then the paint splatter. And this is I thought was not bad. I mean, if you if you are into you know this particular army, because you could buy these individually too. Right. I just happen to have a subscription. There's so now that you're working on dwarves and you see this version of visions, does it yeah. help you? Does it uh, you know, light a path for you in terms of how to paint and, and sculpt your new dwarf army? Yeah, because there's some good stuff here. Now, I will say that this, the how to sculpt stuff is better in the White Dwarf Weekly. 
because they actually have hobbying articles every week. Whereas in Visions, it's just pictures yeah. of the progressions. Yeah, even the kit bash, there's just some pictures of the progressions. Mm-hmm. Whereas in that, it's an actual article, and it's like, oh, look, hey, you may want to build this thing in parts. They had a whole article on you know, building in parts right, right. so that you can get things painted right, different okay. things like that. Here, they just, you know, it's just a lot of, okay, this is this is how it started. Here's you can see where the pieces were added, and here it's done. Right. But there's 26 of these paint splatters, you know, like the little keys to the different colors. Mm-hmm. I mean, green gems, red gems, oath stones, red cloaks, dwarf flesh, brown beards, blonde beards, gray beards, orange beards. Do you see yourself using all of those? A or bunch of them, yeah. The metalworks, the brass you would, it, you, would you find it helpful? Oh, yeah. I'm going to definitely okay. go back to this stuff. Yeah, if you're doing an army and it's, you know, it's it's it, your army, they go through the different types of things they have and say, listen, here's the basics. Hmm. You know, you can vary that up as you get better or as you know what you're doing. But even if I don't use the exact technique, like they show how they do the white lacquer and the blue lacquer look, hmm. and I'm totally going to be using that. I don't know if I'm going to use those exact colors, right? but I'm definitely going to be using that. You know, they show you how they do the metal, and then they show you how they do the brass stuff near it, you know, and the different stuff that they use to uh, to make it look like it's aging a bit. Sure. I mean, there's just all those. There's 26 of them. So it sounds like... Uh in terms of value, at least for this issue, it certainly visions holds value for you. Oh sure. Will will it? You know, in the next issue, that's the big question. I mean, I think we all knew that you'd get a lot of value out of this one because it covers dwarves. Right. The question is, will the next one? Uh, the next one's going to be forty k, and it's going to be those. It's going to be the those those uh, the knights. knights, the imperial knights. Which honestly, I, I I would I look forward to seeing all the cool pictures of the well painted. Mm. Mini types. I, I do too, and I think that's very cool stuff. Even though I'm not into that, I mean, I think months that it's a fantasy focus, I will get much more out of it sure. than months that it's a 40k focus. But if they keep putting in a couple dozen of these painting, you know, at least schemes, yeah, that's how they'll hook you. Yeah, because it's like not only don't I know how to do it, but it's like even if it's for something that's not my army or not even my race. Oh, this is what you do. So you wait. This color, this color, and then right. this type of a the technique you, know, you're, you can apply. Or the other. different glaze. Sure. Now that's why I'm considering buying the. Uh, I wanted to buy the how to paint Citadel miniatures dwarfs. It's like ninety pages, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, it's probably a lot of the stuff that was already in here. All of these little mini paint guides. Mm-hmm. But I've got to assume that on the how to paint, if it's ninety pages, that there's not just pictures. That there's got to be some, at least some. Isn't that something you can thumb through before you More buy written it? stuff? Uh, I've, I saw the. Uh, well, don't, don't you already have that? I thought you had that. I got how to paint. paint Citadel miniatures. The uh, the iBooks does them for individual races. When a new race okay, comes out, right. they've got how to just paint them. And I was consider. I'm considering, but it's like fifteen bucks. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I want to buy this painting guide? I just don't know how much of it is just more pictures and how much of it. Was just being repeated. What was between the White Dwarf and the and the Warhammer Visions? Right from those little paints, you know, the little paint guides. But I found the book, you know, the How to Paint Citadel Miniatures book. I found it to be actually quite helpful just to get an idea of their colors and their bases and sure. what they're doing. And it's not a bad starter. So I'm wondering if the, you know, I figure I might just, I'm probably, you know, I'm probably just gonna buy it. Yeah, I'll go for it. Just, I mean, like, okay, yes, it's fifteen bucks, and yes, I might waste fifteen bucks, but it's not like I'm, I buy these for every army that comes out. In the end, it's just fifteen dollars. I mean, right? And it's like this is my army lunch, you know, yeah. every given day. So I'm not going to buy like 
you know, if the Bretts come out, I'm not going to buy the Bets, the How to Paint Bretts. Mm-hmm. You know, I might buy a How to Paint Wood Elves because there's the different seasons. And I'd like to see all the different <laughs> stuff that they do. Okay. Well, I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of variety in that particular. It's just funny, you know, summer, spring. Yeah. I picture like beach balls. There's and... green, there's orange, there's white. Right. There's light green. But um, like I said, I wouldn't go out and buy one for every army that comes out, but this one's my army. And if if I can get a couple of tips, I think that's worth it. Just like when they show you how they use the different colored glazes, like you're like, mm. oh, I wouldn't expect to use the mixed. Well, because you don't have necessarily the time or the supplies to experiment on every single iteration, right? And then so they like, do it for you, yeah. So. And then you look like, oh wait, that comes up with a nice effect. And once you know how the effect works, and see, that's what I get a lot from it is they show me stuff that I might have never thought of, like those particular colors, those particular right. things, and then. Then so, you can apply it, put it in practice. Exactly. Makes sense. So yeah, you should do it. I, then we can all see the uh, Golden Demon Caliber dwarves that you're putting together. I hope together. so. I'm so excited. They're so small. I forgot how tiny they, they are. They are, yeah, tiny. I'm like, man, I thought painting zombies and getting ghouls, getting the little eyeballs and stuff done is, is was a pain. And I'm like, these guys are small. I'm like, they have so much detail in their armor. They do. They're pretty intricate this models. Very, pain, they are yes. very nice models. I don't know how I'm going to get that Mother of Pearl look done on them, but I'm going to do it. Mm, that's but yeah. that's for the toolbox. So yes, uh, like I said, that's you know I just you, we had said last month we were going to talk about visions again, and um, it, it came out. So thumbs up. I I liked it much more this month than I did last month, mm. but I think part of it is I kind of knew what to expect this month, right? You know, you kept hearing it's going to be, it's going to be. It wasn't what they said it was going to be, or at least it didn't come across to me. Mm. The way because they kept saying there's going to be articles. I expected some more writing. This month I expected no writing. I got no writing. But you know, next month will be a true test, especially with the knights. Yeah. Looking at miniatures that you kind of have uh, uh, mild interest in that you can yeah. see in good detail, well painted, and, and it might they might say they might hook you and say, "I will, I'm going to get these." Right. And I think that's what their intent is. Well, yeah. But I'll say this much too, you know, because I know people said, well. How's that going to be different than issue number one? It's 40K. You don't play 40K. Mm-hmm. I don't play 40K. The Tyranids one was kind of cool, but to me, Tyranids get repetitive because right. they're it's just... the same alien They're type. all different sized versions of kind of the same thing. Right. Whereas, I never get bored looking at Titans. No, I, well, they are, you know... They're cool. They're they're a popular line for a reason. And yeah, and they so, are cool. Yeah, I am really looking forward to seeing and seeing how they mix in and how they go in with the IG mm-hmm. lines. And just to see it in like all that. detail, like the sculpts and everything and yeah. the different heraldry and stuff. I mean, it's fun to look at. I mean, let's right. be honest. And, so, and that's me. I like that type of stuff. So I am, you know... I still, you know, the, the articles that were bad, that were really bad last month are still mm-hmm. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the articles that were ace last month are still top notch. I mean, the Golden yeah. Demon stuff. There's so many mm. pictures, and you can and you can zoom in on almost all of them, and it's just like, dude, it's pretty top notch cool. stuff. Remember, you said you were looking at the banner and stuff last yeah. month. This month, even better pictures. Like honestly, better pictures in the Golden Demon category mm. section than last month. Inspiration, I right yeah. there. And then when they threw in a couple of other armies, you know, showing a Dark Eldar army, and this guy's painting. They got two different. Dark yeah. Eldar armies in there and the different paintings. It's like, where the hell did this come from? It's like, who cares? It's cool. It's another army. It's fun, yeah, it's again fun to look at. You didn't need to, you know, you had space you could fill and it didn't need to fill it all with dwarfs just because that's what came out this month. Like, I even thought they probably still did a little bit too much of dwarves as they put in all the old stuff near the back. Is there such a thing as a little too much of dwarves? I never I, thought I'd hear that coming from you. <laughs> as far as this goes, anytime, I mean, when, when the when the... 
when the army that's being released, like, okay, next month will be Imperial Knights. Mm-hmm. The Imperial Knights get the first 45 to 50% of the book, and then they get the paint splatter at the end of the book with all the how-tos. Right. I don't need, you know, you get, the, you get all of them in the beginning, then you get all your articles. I didn't need them again at the end. Oh, look, here's the rest of the army that wasn't in the front that's not new stuff, but you still want to look at it. Either put that in the front with it, you know, say put it all oh, together. Otherwise, it seems like an afterthought. Yeah. It's just, and it was like, you don't need to bookend all this other cool stuff. I would have liked to, hey, here's starting off with all your, all your dwarf stuff. Here's the other stuff this month. We're wrapping it up with the painting guides for the dwarves. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have worked It, it actually better. makes sense, though, if you're a dwarf fan and they know that, they'll start you off with dwarves and then they'll finish you at the end with dwarves, so that way you're looking at the stuff in the middle. I guess that it makes, makes sense. sense. I mean, it's, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, I mm-hmm. guess. It's just, like I said, last month it seemed like there was nothing but Tyranids mm-hmm. in the book. Right. And this month there's a couple other armies. You know, it wasn't just They're mixing a, it up. Because even with the Tyranids, they had the armies on parade. They had the uh, the VC army mm-hmm. and the other thing. But here they had the armies on parade, and then out of the blue, and here's some Dark Eldar. Dark Eldar army it's like got room here's another i mean just do that i love that show me lots of different stuff throw in two or three extra armies in the back every month just hey this is really well done take a look at it give me that and i i I think i'm so like i said i think most of it is i knew what to expect and so i you know knowing what to expect i was more pleased with it because my expectations weren't i'm not saying my expectations weren't too high my expectations weren't you know, it was more of a of a lateral thing where I was expecting. Sure. I wasn't that I didn't get as much as I wanted. It's just I didn't even. This is not what I was expecting at all. Right. You know. So like well, ex- next next one will be the real test. Yeah. So. so well, we'll like see. I said, I'm keeping the subscription no matter what. So. <laughs> there's your test. You know, hey, are you keeping it? Yes. You know. Well, okay. So, so I, but whether or not you like it, whether or not, yeah, how much how much quality I think it is. Right. But I I did I did think there was a lot of inspiration there, a lot okay. of cool stuff. Cool. Even like I and the, the cool part especially was, I think any fantasy player could get some inspiration or at least some tips, at least in the paint splatter, the different colors of flesh, the different colors of hair because they right. did all the beards. You could use that for any army. You know what I'm saying? The different types of armor you could use that for any army. Um, right. So getting the basic tips, I think, is still helpful. So cool. All right, that was longer than I planned. Um, and I'm oh, can I say I've had enough of the new edition rumors? What are the what are the new edition rumors? Well, first it was 2014. Then you started hearing weird for rumors. ninth edition. Yeah, ninth edition. Then you started hearing 2015 rumors slightly. Mm-hmm. Then now it's back to no, it's definitely 2014. Hmm. And then I was listening to 40K radio, and I was listening to their rumors, and I was looking up stuff. And now you're hearing, oh, no, 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 7th edition 40K is coming out this year. Didn't they just release 6th edition? It'll be two years ago this year. It came out literally, I mean. I wonder what the shortest lifespan of an edition has been. Yeah, I mean, because this is going to be only two years total. I'm pretty certain it's two years. And they're talking about the next edition coming out. So I don't know apparently if this edition just did that horribly because people I, I've heard it's a good edition. Yeah, that's funny. Everybody we know is saying this is like the best edition ever, like they've really right. got it down. And the people who are like the hardcore tournament players are like, this game sucks. Well, I think it's because of the whole allies thing. That that one mechanic is what threw the tournament scene on its head. 
And so then I heard we got backed up till next year because they got they have to get this seventh head out. And now this week I heard that they're both coming out this year. Seventh head will be like May, and ninth head will be June. I don't really. I don't know where you're reading. I guess you're hearing these on different casts and reading it on forums. Yeah, I don't really pay just, much attention to to them until it starts to really, you know, get close. Now well, I was listening and spreading out, trying to have something for this, you know, for this particular segment. <laughs> trying to make sure I had all the news and rumors I could get for this segment, and I just got to the point where I'm like, oh, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> Listen, guys, seventh ed and ninth ed coming out sometime in the future. Sometime soon. There you go. You heard it here I'm first. Done. <laughs> I'm done with the silly rumors. So, plus nobody seems to know. You know, you hear it. Oh, it's a tweak. No, it's a complete rewrite. Oh, it's this. No, well, it's that. I think that's a lot of wish listing. Hey, I'm still selling some orcs and goblins. Anybody need some in their army? Uh, there you go. <laughs> I got it. Oh, I got it. What, do you, need? what of, do you need? Speaking of models, we got back uh, from Donovan Harrison's uh, Phoenix. Oh yeah, and his uh, and his other stuff. I will, uh, Dragon princes and everything. Yeah, right? I guess that's toolbox. But we got him, so I'll tell you about cool. him. Cool. Um, is there any more rumors that you know that? We're going to get a new edition soon, and I don't care. It might be skirmishing, and right. we still don't care. We still don't care. All right. <laughs> Let's take a break and come back with the toolbox. David and Chris, greetings from um, Austin, Texas. This is uh, Brad uh, Borgio on the, the forums. I just want to thank y'all guys for doing uh, Fat Hammer 3 and uh, let y'all know that I'm attempting my first marathon. Uh, y'all are kind of motivating me to get that going. Uh, I guess if you hear from me again, that means I completed it. Uh, keep up the work. Bye. And we're back. Welcome to the Garage U Tools. We are now chatting with Ryan Taylor. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So now, Ryan, you're from Colorado, am I correct? That's, that's right. Well, that's where I live now. That accent might throw people. But you don't sound like you were raised in Colorado. No, no. I came over um, from Scotland. That's where... I figured he's most of it is. Either that or he's been dipping into California or Colorado's medicinal marijuana and so now he's got that <laughs> because that triggers the Scottish accent. <laughs> you know, I suppose. You know, hey, you know, maybe I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm being silly. No offense there. No offense <laughs> no, there, Ryan. Taken. So, so listen, Ryan, we talked last episode about your tournament, Lost Souls, that's coming up. And um we wanted to have you on to talk about it a little bit again. Um, so why don't you give everyone the basics really quick, and then we'll get into it. Okay, yeah. Um, so Lost Souls um, is actually a three-day event. Um, the Warhammer Fantasy part of it is um, the Saturday and the Sunday, which is the 26th and the 27th of April. Um, it is in Pagosa um, in Colorado, down in the... Um, down in the south of Colorado in there. Um, and what happened was last year we um, we ran it, and we ran it in Durango, where where I live, um, and where the store is. 
Well, we found that there wasn't a lot of space at the store, so we've actually moved out to an actual hotel in uh, Pugosa. So it's 2,500 points, really no comp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like to play our Warhammer without too much comp down here, so... Very nice. Um, All right. Which is good. Um, but uh, as you mentioned last week, uh, there are a few differences from the, the actual rulebook uh, scenarios. So we're running most of them out of the book. Um, most of them uh, don't automatically end the game. And the big reason for that was I didn't want people traveling for, you know, six, seven, 18 hours mm-hmm. um, and coming down one of their games or two of their games getting cut short. Makes sense. Um, yeah. That was fair. So, yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's, uh, it's just a fun event in which we want to get as many people down as possible. Um, we've managed to get part of the mountain region um, for the U.S. Masters as well. So, oh, excellent! Oh, nice. Um, so, how so, many? Uh, how many? How much room do you have in the event? How many people can you have? Um, we've got kind of twenty-four at the moment, um, but we can go probably to to about thirty-two. Uh, you know, at the moment, just based on space, mm-hmm. um, and that's mainly due to the fact that we're trying to run a, a 40k event at the same time. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. So if the 40k event uh, doesn't get as many, then we can expand a little bit like that. So Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So now you've got the game set up. It's it's a 20 nil system, right? That's right. right. That's so, right. So you're running a 20 nil system, and you're running it with no comp. Now, I know in a lot of... Uh, you know, tournaments they run the different comp, the, the different uh, scenarios, and then you have objectives to get extra points. Yep. And yep. now your objective on every one of the sheets says the same thing. If you 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 if you get your objective that you picked, you get two points. If you fail to get the objective, you lose a point. So now, how does this work? Everyone gets five objectives in the beginning, like with their with their packet, their you know their tournament packet. That's right. So what we actually. We, we've done this at another tournament um, up at Feast of Blades in, in Denver. Um, and what we, we do is we, we actually get proper playing cards made with the scenarios on them, the objectives. Hmm. Um, and you get that at the start of the tournament. You get five of them, and each of them have a different uh, objective. Um, so the five objectives are pretty straightforward. Um, most of them are about killing a character, collecting... Um, banners. Mm-hmm. One of them is to capture a hill, um, and one of the other ones is it an is... infinitely high hill. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just sorry. <laughs> no comp. Sorry. No, no comp. They're, they're, okay. Yeah, they're My pretty mistake. small hills, but <laughs> but yeah, you've got to be on a hill. You've got to kill a mage. You've got to get more of your core over the halfway line, um, and that can be tough for dwarves. That's but, racist right. against dwarves. I was just about to say. It. You can vanguard them all. It's fine. You'll there be there you go. Turn one. There we go. What about those four <laughs> tomb kings that can't march? Yeah, nobody they'll plays them anyway. They'll, yeah, <laughs> they'll get there eventually. Magic will help them. <laughs> and and so what you do is you have these five at the start of the, the tournament, and you look through these cards once you know your matchup and who you're playing, and you select one of them for the game. Now, what we had done in the past, um, or what I had seen done in the past was... Uh, you could take your card and you could choose it and you could hide it and not show the scenario um, to your opponent. Um, or you could show it. And if you showed it, you got more points if you achieved it. 
Um, but if the opponent stopped you, they got points. Um, and what I found was sometimes um, people would just not show their card so that their opponent couldn't get the points from stopping them. Um, so when it comes to Lost Souls, I kind of wanted to take that out of it. Um, so you you will have to play a card every every turn, mm-hmm. but what we're going to do is we're actually going to get magic sleeves um, so that you can put the, the objective into it face down so that nobody needs to know. You can show it if you want, if you want to show that bit of bravado, mm. um, but you don't have to show the scenario. Okay. You're, you're going after. That was the big question we had was, does your opponent know what your objective is, but they don't necessarily know until the, the game ends? That's right, and that, that's why we uh, I'm introducing the sleeves. Um, so it will be on the table. Mm. It'll be the only card of yours on the table, um, but you don't have to show it. Um, so they might not know until you flip it over, and then you can go, uh-huh, now, I, right. I've got it. Everybody's getting the same five objectives, though, right? That's right. That's and, right. And so you know what they could be. So you, I mean, you have an idea of what they could be. So if his general's gunning for your general, you get an idea. If suddenly he's got some stuff that's sitting on a hill that he doesn't want to seem to move, mm-hmm. that normally you would, you got an idea. So you can you can sort of figure it out uh, if if you want to. Um, my question is: now you can only use each one once. As that's well. right. So what happens is when you turn in your score sheet. Um, you actually hand in that card as well. So oh, okay. by turn by game five, you actually only have one card in your in your hand. So, um, and, but the opponent doesn't know which one you've used unless they've been talking to your your other players that you've been okay. playing. But um, you know, we found is it, it's it adds a little bit of a, um, more strategy in there mm-hmm. because. You know, you're not all going for the same objective in the same game. So, and plus, you get to look at who you're playing and decide. Okay, you know, I'm never gonna kill his general yeah. or whatever. That warriors of chaos, one of those unkillable lord things. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not gonna take the kill the general. I'm gonna take the capture the hill this time. That rock <laughs> is too heavy. Right. Perhaps you pick a smaller rock. So, I like it. I like that's a fun system. Yeah. I think that's kind of neat. I think you should do that for bits. I think you should start making cards now. Well, we're supposed to. We're tasked with coming up with scenarios for bits. Uh, oh, and I've thought a lot about it. And since we talked last episode about uh, this particular scenario uh, mechanic, I thought, well, maybe I, 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 Ryan, if you'd be okay with it, we might consider something like this for bits. That is quite all right. To be honest, last year we we uh, took your bit, uh, tournament pack and slapped our logo on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yes, even so, uh, we, we, Oh, is that the engineer? No. Yep. Yes, it was the engineer. He's sitting right here. I was doing an imp- a dwarf impression. I can do that sometimes. Every time I do it, that's so racist. Every dwarf impression must be the master engineer. That's like, what do you say? Let's take what he's saying. Like all white people see, look see alike. See how nervous Chris? and flustered he's getting. Uh, he Ryan? always starts yeah, this he's with busted. These, seriously. He's busted. So yeah, back to the scenario. So. <laughs> Yeah, no problem uh, borrowing uh, our, our tournament packets. Uh, no problem at all whatsoever. Um, whatever helps make your event run smoother, you know, I'm all for it. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I checked with Grant before I did it, um, <laughs> just to make sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the big thing that, that happened was um, when I moved over here from Scotland, the, there wasn't very much down here in this area. So 
Um, and that's why we're doing things like you don't have to have a painted army, mm. um, really to get the local players involved um, so that we can we can build a community down here as well. Excellent. Nice. What's your local community like? There's people and they get together. Oh, yeah, but how old? Are they veterans, young and young and new, old? Um, we've, we've got a bit of a mix. Um, we've got some uh, older uh, players in time and age. Mm. <laughs> um, but we've also got a couple of young Be ones coming up. Be real careful about going yeah. with this. I just want to make sure. Yeah, got some, older guys, some really old guys. Like, there's some guys that are in their late 30s, you know, mid 30s, those old guys. Well, we don't want to offend you, David. You I, might bust I, into I You might start talking like the master engineer. Again. I might start talking like a dwarf. It doesn't always have to be the master Anyways. engineer. <laughs> so you saying, Ryan? That's America. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've got quite a mix. Um, we, uh, we have some people that, that have played the game for many editions. Um, and they pop in and, and play an odd game and um, things like that. Mm. To be honest, it's it's fairly sparse for actual players, um, mainly because of the the area. It's all uh, not to stereotype, but um, most of the people that live in the area are there for the mountains, the mm. river, skiing, things like that. Sure. Um, but we do tend to uh, we get a, a fairly solid turnout um, of players and. Some of them have worked for GW before, before they moved into the local area. Mm. Um, one of our, our youngest players um, has actually just come on leaps and bounds just from actually playing games. Um, and it's actually really good to watch him slowly pick up all the the intricacies of his army uh-huh. um, and then start bringing really filthy lists. <laughs> New player it. development. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. So... All right. So, um, if anyone wants to sign up or get tickets or get information, where do they go? They want to. They want to go to um, lostsouls2014.com, um, and all the information is on there. Um, the sign up is through PayPal. If you want to pay um, straight away, but if you want to pay at the door, and some people want to do that, um, then you can do that. You just need to send an email to. Um, Myself, which is rtaylor at lostsouls2014.com, um, and I'll get them added to the registered list, and they can just pay at the door when they come on down. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to how the event pans out. If I can make it, it's an incredibly long shot for me, but I'd love, I would love to be able to get out there. I know Cranky signed up. Cranky did sign up. After we kind of goaded him. Yeah, did you see all that stuff on Twitter? Yeah. He was, yeah, he got a little he got a little heated, but he signed he up. He did, he did. You threw down the gauntlet, and he just picked, he it, picked it right up. up. Yeah, yeah, he signed up straight away. I think as soon as he listened to it, he, he was um, messaging me on Twitter, <laughs> asking how, and yeah. then within 15 minutes he was signed up. So um, if he is flying in, um, then... You know, and he's coming down. Then mm-hmm. you know, cranky, send me a message, and I'll I'll come pick you up from the airport um, and bring you into town. You don't need to hire a car or anything like that. I think oh, there you go. currently you're the furthest traveling person, mm. um, and I think I've got you listed on the the website as <laughs> Army as Rhinox Riders. There you go, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wasn't sure what army he was playing, so um, I just went straight <laughs> up with the Rhinox, Rhinox Riders. Riders. I think that was a safe bet. 
Good call. Well, he once was lost, but he's now found. And it's no comp, so he can go in there. He doesn't have to worry about getting the lowest comp score for filthiest list. There you go. He's going to go in there. Cranky's going to win. This is going to be cranky. He's going to go in there. He's going to do really well with his ranks. Then he's going to come back, and he's going to push even harder. I'm not going to say anything. For us to make him. He's going to be like, why aren't you? If I win, you have to let me have Rhinox Riders at Pits. That's his his next thing he's going to say. We'll see. All right, Ryan. Anything else uh, we need to cover? Um, no, just uh, thanks for your uh, your shout-outs and, you know, big fan of the show. So it's uh, it's kind of weird to be on it, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you know, telling me. No, we're just hopefully too your, <laughs> hopefully your, uh, your listeners can understand me. Um, that's sometimes a, a flaw <laughs> that I have, especially because I'm guessing most of your listeners are American, but then I could be just making an assumption with that. Yeah, Heck, I, don't I don't know. know. I think I think we do have <laughs> listeners. You and and maybe Grant. I think I think that's yes, two. <laughs> nice. Grant listens sometimes. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. there you go. Uh, no, Ryan. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, definitely, uh, once this wraps, we definitely want you to come on and tell us how it went. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to come on again. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. So we will talk to you in April then. Yep. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Thank Take you, guys. Easy. And Bye. folks, we'll be right back. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Back, back, back. Here we are. Back, there we are. Back, 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 back. Here we are. Back. So let's talk some toolbox. Sure, since we're back. Hey, who brought the toolbox to our show? Or the tall box, as I apparently typed up here. <laughs> that was brought to us by... So what you been up to? Have you been reading? I have. I started Shadow King again. <sighs> Hasn't really gripped me yet. And frankly, Alethanar, I find uh, not a very engaging character yet he's just kind of a loner he'll show up to the political meetings because he feels he has to and then he'll run off to the woods for yep. alone time yep yeah well he is he's, a, he's but he's that's that's who the guy always has been so he's like an emo high elf guy as opposed to what not they're not all high they're all, you know noble and, and fight yeah. for good uh-huh not all not emo like like him oh i, I need to go spend time in the woods well, he's a hunter. He's you know he's a loner. He's a rebel. So I'm waiting for it to kick in. It will. Once everyone he knows dies because they were home and not out in the woods with him. 
And then right. he feels the need to go and you know get revenge by finding all of his enemies and cutting off their heads and nailing them to the wall. Literally. We'll we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. So yeah, other than that, no, uh, no, not much reading for me. I'm almost done with this end of Angels, which I have to be done with on Saturday. Whether I have the notes done or not was another story, hmm. because we're recording like Sunday morning, so I got to be done. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of glad about because I'm enjoying the book. It's just I just don't have time hmm. to read all these books. I don't know how people like you know. I don't know how Andy Sherman puts out 17 podcasts a month. I don't know when he sleeps. Well, it's not a race, right? I just, yeah, I have trouble putting out two, you know, right. or three if you count uh, after Eleanor. So, but yeah, I did that and I'm reading Dwarfs and I'm enjoying the fluff and mm. uh, kind of enjoying the book. You haven't uh, fully embraced it yet? It's, you know, I'm, I don't know. I see. I see a lot of the cuts as glaringly obvious, and I don't see all the boosts as perfectly oh, readily apparent right. yet. Oh, there are a few that I really like well, that we will talk about yeah, when we the do review. the review. Well, yeah, the one game I played against them so far, I, I felt it right away. You know that that defensive buff, that that extra bonus on the parry, that's nice. Yeah, well, it it helps because you know with the with the way the hand weapon shield stuff works now, right? The uh, you know they just they don't have that they, they don't get that really high armor save anymore anywhere mm-hmm. in the army except for the characters so right but that's neither here nor there so that's what i've been reading reading the books and uh oh and uh listening to john carter on audible john carter is that that disney movie well the, the disney movie that's based off the edgar rice burroughs books right. yeah who you know wrote tarzan and yeah, yeah. that stuff yeah he wrote those like in the late 1800s early 1900s hmm and it's kind of cool. Like, and listening to them, it's a little different than the than the movie. So, so you get that that science fiction from a writer in the you know late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I know Mars looks like it's uninhabited, but right. it's you know <laughs> it's inhabited. You know, well, I like that kind of there, pulp science fiction it's, type stuff. And it's dude, Edgar Rice Burroughs is a good author. I mm. mean, you know, there's no slouch. There's a reason he's famous. The movie wasn't that bad. I found the movie was awesome. I really enjoyed the movie a lot. Like you have to get past the whole "they're living on Mars" thing. Sure, you know, just because, take it as like pure fantasy, right? I wouldn't say that it, that movie was science fiction. It was more fa- science fantasy, more than anything else. Almost, yeah. I mean, it seemed more like that, but uh, the yeah. book may be different. I don't know. Yeah, but the book, actually, now that I'm listening to it, the book is wildly different. But the movie's got a lot more excitement and, and cool stuff to it. But so that's what I've been doing. Uh, what about your hobby? Hobby, I started working on and uh, converting Dark Elf Executioners. That's a great kit, by the way. The models go well together. Uh, there's quite a bit of skulls and, and that sort of uh, symbolism on those. So I've had to cut them off or fill in like the, the skull relief carvings that they oh, have okay. on the armor, fill those in with green stuff. So it's quite a bit of converting to get them high elf white lionized so to speak oh that's right you're white lioning in them yeah. because because you don't know what good models look like apparently i know exactly what good models <laughs> look like and that's what those executioners are they are good heads models. and shoulders above the white lions in my opinion white See, lions are okay now, i really like the lion pelts though i like the whole theme of them wearing the lion pelts and having them lion pelts on so yeah, that's a little that's a little too feral for my high elf liking but oh, well, Lottie. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to talk about why you do or don't like your preferences, <laughs> that's that's why. I like my my high elves a little less animalistic. I do. I don't want them. That's more like savage orc type tendencies. 
You know, wearing like animal pelts. Anyway, that's we're never going to agree on that one. Um, Those lion pelts clash with them skirts. <laughs> let me tell you. I'm just teasing you. I'm Versus teasing dragon you. princes that have the nice armor and you know what I mean. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so working on those. Oh, shout out to Hayne Begley, who I helped him out with his uh, Rock Wars GT of the uh, new logo. Oh right, right. And and he sent to me a fifty dollars GW gift card. Oh nice. Which I'll put towards probably another box of executioners because I need three more of them. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. Cool. Uh, I've sold off some more stuff. Thank you to the people who've been buying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am down to my last 20 metal uh, hammerers. Wow. End of an era. Yeah, that's all gone. It's, it's the biggest problem now is I'm trying to build stuff because I don't have the models. models sure. I mean, I have to, I have to like, proxy everything. Like, right. okay, these zombies are warriors and these ghouls are right. long you, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing. I still have a lot of orcs and goblins. I got a little bit of warriors to sell. You can see the warriors pulled mm-hmm. out here because they're 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 next to go. Yeah, they're going next. Um, and uh, so once that's done, we're doing good. I've been working on some you know test model, mm-hmm. some color scheme ideas for the dwarfs. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, Morgan wants to do her empire guys in either blue and red or blue and something like that. Right. And I was trying to f- figure out if there's a way that I can find a similar color scheme for the for the dwarfs. For the dwarves. Yeah. So I'd practice on one to perfect. And sure. Okay. Something similar that I can you know, I can help her learn with hers and practice and then get right. something I really like with mine. Um, and then if we ever wanted to use it in a team tournament, we'd have... Oh, the, there you go. We'd have them... Th- be themed. See? I'm already thinking. Oh, it's an empire. We can theme the colors together. Um, I did order from testers and it shipped. I'm waiting for it any day. I should be getting... I ordered... They have, uh, they have acrylic paint that they say is good for your airbrush as well. Hmm. But... Um, it's pearl white. Okay. So it's supposed to be. It's supposed to have that pearl sheen, sheen to, it. to it. I'm hoping because I want to do like a. Because I don't know how you'd achieve that just with the GW range. I have no idea, but I want to. Um, I want to take it and I want to use it because what I want to do is I'm thinking like maybe the hammerers. Uh huh. You know they're like supposed to be the the guard. You know the 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 g- proper guard for mm. the for the Lord character and stuff. So I wanted to do a lot of their finer, the detail parts in Mother of Pearl. Hmm. So I have, that is know, cool. Yeah. So it'll be sort of a fancy. It'll be it's still it'll still be nice heavy armor, but it'll have a bit a little bit more of an or, ornamental or ceremonial look to it. Have you thought about what sort of fluff is behind that? Like why or how the Mother of Pearl would work into your army? What do you mean? Like what kind of symbolism does, does it represent? Uh, does it tie into their background and where they're from or wow. what they're mining, et cetera, that sort of stuff? No, I was just more thinking of it as it would be, you know, like when you see these guys wearing the, that are, you know, the guys who are there go out with the king. Mm. They're in the most sort of ornamental, sort of highly done. Right. The reason armor. I ask is because hearing you talk about it, I can I can see in my mind's eye your display board having a lot of the mother of pearl uh, you know, marble tile, and not a destroyed carrick, but a carrick at its the height at its height of. Oh, that could work too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's a nice polished. Neat. You know. Yeah, so I'm hoping that this paint works. I mean, it's you know, it's not expensive. But I just mm-hmm. ordered some up, and if it works, hmm. as I'm hoping, it, it'll really look nice. Cool. That and the different lacquered plates and things like that. Yeah, I think yeah. if, if you go with that really shined up, polished up, not just metal, but with some you know fancy parts on, I think right. it might look really they almost nice. Almost sound posh. Yeah. Posh dwarves. Yeah. Well, they're rich. 
Well, yeah, there you go. At the height of the exactly. carrots. Exactly. When yeah. they've got all that money. Oh. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's, and then the goblins come in and <laughs> start, <laughs> taking, it. start stealing stuff, you little <laughs> rotten, rotten things. So um, those are kind of, that's kind of what I'm working on. Cool. I'm working on figuring out display bases. I found some cool ones. I forget the name of the website. They do these bases, and they do these nice Celtic bases with sort of Celtic knot designs on them, mm-hmm. but they wind up being like a buck a base, huh. which, which isn't bad, but I need like 100 or 200, and I don't know if I want to spend that on bases. bases. Um, well, you don't remember the, that website? It wasn't Cyborg Miniatures, was it? It's from Base X of War. Base hyphen X. Base X of War. And it's their Celtic bases, and they're pretty... They're pretty nice bases. I actually looked at them and said, "Damn, this is exactly what oh, I yeah, want." These do look good, but I'd, I'd want to order. But they're a dollar a base. Basically, that's what they come to, and so and I would want them for the whole army. Huh. So you know, that's quite that's an like, endeavor. Maybe yeah, you could buy a set, a handful, and and you know, cast them, make molds. And I was thinking about own. that. I was thinking about just using because I had the hearse starts, the regular stone, mm-hmm. just the regular stone work. I was thinking of doing that, and I saw how to do the casting. Make yourself right. a rubber mold, do your casting. I was thinking about uh, maybe you know doing that, making a few, then using them to make a cast, mm-hmm. then using those to make a bigger, so I can make one solid, nice piece of cast. Because I'm going to be casting a lot of tiles, but I don't like. I want to make sure I know what this is going to do before I'm doing it. So I have been working on a lot of test stuff. Oh yeah, you have to experiment, trial and error. Yeah. Like I said, I know, didn't you, like, roll out, like, Sculpey clay and, like, little sheets and cut it up? I did, it? yeah, and then ran it through, um, a, like, a, I don't know what we call it, it's like a little press. Right. To get the little imprinted uh, design on it, and then baked it, and then that was it. Now, did you have it cut beforehand so it was in the right size pieces, or did you just... No, uh, I, I did it in one sheet and baked it, and then broke it off and roughly 20 millimeter squares. Okay. I, I mean, it's supposed to look like broken rock, so... It lends itself to those rough edges. Yeah, so I want to keep mine cleaner, I think, a little bit more. So hmm. so that's why I'm just I'm trying to figure out what to do. I don't want to do make I don't want to do stuff that's gonna be like I don't want to make like the resin molds because that's like I gotta put on a hazmat suit just to do it. That's what I, I think Domus did. Huh? Yeah, I was reading that stuff. Did you read that article? Oh yeah, okay. I don't wanna be That's like another level. Because I'm doing that crap down here in the basement. I mean I gotta open those those, those side windows and get the fans pointing out. Yeah, that's yeah, well, those fumes and stuff. Yeah, you gotta I, do that. Yeah, I'd have to, or that or I have to wait till summer to do it in the garage. And so I'd, basically what he's doing, he had uh, sculpted a handful of bases, master bases, out of like sculpey and whatnot right. green stuff. And then made molds out of them. And, and then, then he, used, and then he poured them. resin in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. he made resin, resin molds, so he was making resin bases. So that was a pretty cool article. Check yeah. that out on youmagnificentbastards.com. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, but so, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I want to, you know, how exactly I'm going to do it. Because mm-hmm. Hearst doesn't do a mold. Hearst doesn't do a mold. Right. That's all three-quarter inch. Because that's about, it's like three-quarters inch is about 20 millimeters. Okay. And so it's like, it's like .78, I think. Hmm. Um, and so they have the one-inch bases for the 20. They're all 25 mil. Right. So then when you get to the, the next downside, there's like on, on a mold of floor tiles, there will be like one that's 20 mil, hmm. you know, because just in case you got an oddball oh, right. size or piece. Right. But so that's then, not enough for you. No. I mean, that's there's one. I have five or six Hearst molds, but there's one 20 millimeter square on them. So hmm. I have to cast that. Okay. I got one. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> I could do like three or four a day that way. You know, that would only take me a year. 
So I got to figure something. So I'm going to cast, try to get, do a quick cast and maybe cast about 10 or 12 of them eventually into one mold. And um, that's once I got that figured out because I, I really want this to be top notch. I really want this to pop. Now, I thought your demon army was going to be your hobby army. The dwarves, you just wanted to get them to a good standard, but more... But get them on the table to play. Yeah, but I still want the bases to look nice. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to just do sand and flock because after going to Wapaka and looking at things and everybody when you know you do a nicer base, it really does. It makes a huge difference. Make for World a nicer model, yeah. yeah. And um, especially with the nice stone, I can make it lighter, right? Because most of my other bases, like the swamp, it's always dark green and brown mm-hmm. and rock and earth. And if we can do this as a nice polished stone. It'll be good because then if you have a, that polished stone as a base, your blue and red will really pop. Right. Yeah, and then you get the guys with them. Like I said, the guys with suddenly you've got that hammer unit with the Lord in it, and they're all got that mother mm-hmm. of pearl on them. And yep. It's just like, oh, that looks sharp as hell. And then they'll be like, oh look, you got some votes for best painted. Oh, and there I you go, it, buddy. There you go. So that's my plan. That's what I'm. That's what I'm working on, basically. Um. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, we on to what other? Other? Well, I did play in a small tournament in a, in a local shop uh, on Sunday. Three game tournament. I, I brought my orc and goblins down there. Played three quick games against three cool guys. Joe Pecoraro's Wood Elves, which I lost that game against you know Wood Elves, much maligned Wood Elves, and uh, he got one spell off the whole game, and it was a Dwellers. He Dwellered my big Death Star to kill three characters <laughs> to steal. <laughs> I think I was up by about 200, and he catapulted up. That was like a 600-point difference. See, and there you go. That's your defense against big Death Stars are the big spells. You get Precisely, rid of the big right. spells, and then the Death Stars can just romp through. That's it. There you go. So that, was, that was a big equalizer. I knew it was going to come down to that, that spell. So he played a good game. Joe plays a good, tight game. Oh, yeah. Uh, game two was against Jake Murphy and his Dark Elves. Okay. And uh, this one was all about avoid combat with the Cauldron of Blood. And the witch right. elves, and try to shoot and magic everything else, and that's what happened there. Okay. And then the final game was against Joel Musso and his ogres, and we played Battle of the Past, which I had never played before. Was Remember? it fun? Uh, mm, not really, because my gunline loves that scenario. Oh, sure. His any, ogres, any not gun so line loves it. Well, at least his ogres can move. They can move twelve inches, so they can they can chew up. They some could, board. but except you know, manglers and fast cav. Really slowed him down. Oh, so, but you know he he just he took it on the chin, played it, uh, you know as well as he could, and down to the last model pretty much, and you know he you know no complaints or anything. So it was gonna be a rough game going in, but he took it like a champ. All right, sounds good. Yeah. So how'd you do in that tournament? I came in third place overall out of well, it was a small tournament, only eight players. Uh, if I had to do it again, that dwellers, you know, I think the counter to that in that same situation. If I know he's going to cast that spell and it's the final turn. Cheat? Confuse no, him. not cheat. Argue with Use him. tactics. Ask questions tactics. about rules you already know the play? answer to. Slow play him. Slow play. <laughs> I would scatter my characters out of the unit. Oh, oh, you oh, do some do a tactic that's legit. Okay, well, you're I got right, you. right. So if he's going to dwell or something, he can only get so much. <laughs> I should have done that before. I don't know why. I, I think that should that. be our answer for everything now. Slow play him. Just whenever you get in trouble, slow play. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm gonna, I got to have a smoke. My mom called. I don't smoke, but I'm going to go get one. Go, I have one anyway. I'm going to go sit and talk right. to the guys who smoke. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty much my other. Oh, I watched uh, Gravity. What'd you think? I liked it. Did you see? Where did you see it? At home? Uh, we watched it at home, yeah. And okay. I know we're missing out on the special effects. 
the impact of it all, but yeah. uh, it was a, a very good movie. I thought it was it was it was a decent movie, but I, I really think that what sold it was all the really cool. I mean, you watched even on the Academy Awards, it won like every technical award because right. yeah. it looked amazing. Mm. As much as I wanted Sandra Bullock to live, because well, damn, yeah. I mean, it's a, quite an adventure. It was just like her whole character. Like I just didn't really care. That was my beef with the movie. Was it was like there were only three characters. One you never saw. He was just a voice. Right. Then there was George Clooney, who was just like weird, stereotypical. I've been doing this a long time, little lady. He was like the space <laughs> right. cowboy. Well, he's like the character from Toy Story, Buzz Lightyear. Practically, yeah. yeah. And then there's her, who's like. Oh, and then it was my kid, and then they called, and then I just drive, and all I ever do is drive, and I don't right. like her character didn't really quite make any sense. That, yeah, that, that she was, was relatable enough. Yeah, that was my only beef with the movie was because I mean you don't you don't it's not like you have a lot of time or, or a lot of interaction with other people right. to build character right, right. But there wasn't a lot of character built. This was this was eye candy, and this was a lot of it's it's nonstop action more yeah. or less. I mean, so. it was exciting as hell. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I sat. I only used the edge of my seat for that movie. Yeah, same here. I mean, once it starts, it, it doesn't let you go until oh, no. the credits roll. I mean, Heather even said because there was at least a half a dozen times in the movie I kept leaning forward mm-hmm. in my seat, like I would lean really far mm-hmm. forward, and then someone would finally relax. I would sit back a little bit, right? And then she's like, "You just kept sitting on your edge of your seat." She's like it was annoying. You were so far leaning forward. Forward. Like I was, well, it's the whole was, thing. There was it? no one in front of me. I was leaning over the seat in front of me. I was, and she. It's like she said, she could feel her toes like curling uh-huh. up and tensing up, and her fingers right, on the edge right. of the seat, like grabbing into. The well, because the, that environment that she's in, outer space, it's so you have no room for for error. Oh yeah, no I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was a good movie. The, the, the thing is, it's a very short movie. Even though it's intense, it's very short. Yeah, it's I like think it's hour. like eighty nine minutes. Yeah, or something like, yeah, like that. it's just about an hour and a half. Yeah. You can only take so much of that, though. Mm. I mean... <laughs> right, right. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I, I, I will say that. It was really good. What about uh, your other? Oh, Harrison and I started watching Battlestar Galactica. The 80s version? The or the most, well, we were the watching the one. old one. And then he's like, can I just start watching the <laughs> new one? <laughs> and it was funny because you really... There's a lot... I mean, they took a lot from... I didn't realize this. I'm watching more of the old ones. Mm-hmm. There's little things from like all these different episodes that pop up. Like it's like they they went through and they just took out all the cheese and said, "Well, okay, that idea was good. Let's take it." You know? Yeah, they do. And so, but you, if you're a fan of the old one, and I hadn't watched it in quite some time, and you sit down and start watching, you're like, "Oh wow, wait a minute, that was it." You know, I just watched yeah, yeah. the old episodes, so just little tiny things that they just mention. How did you guys feel about uh, the fact that they changed the Cylons being from an alien race to humans' own creation? But they weren't really an alien race, were they? They were a race created by an alien race. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah they were created by us instead of an alien right. race. It simplified matters, and it worked for the point of their story. And it, it had that matrixy feel then to it. Look, we made robots, and the robots they rebelled, and yeah, our own creations yeah. destroyed us. Exactly. Yeah. You got you got the the matrix. You got uh, Terminator, Blade Runner. Right. Ter- you know, it's got, so that's yeah, yeah, classic sci-fi. It just makes it easier, and then you can avoid having another alien race. Mm. You can have humans, and we're still it in the galaxy, except mm. for this race that we created ourselves. Right. Our our biggest success is our biggest undoing. Yeah. Our failure. Yeah, and the Cylons, the, the new ones look cool. <laughs> Yeah, they do. Even the robot-y ones. Like, oh, hey, that's kind of neat. They're they're pretty cool. I like that show yeah. when it was on. It was a good and one. Plus, we're watching it, and I didn't realize Gaius Baltar 
is uh, he's in Eureka, the TV show Eureka. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, huh. He plays this guy from the 50s that winds up going, uh, basically traveling through time and winding up in our time. Hmm. From the, He's one of the guys who founds the city. And I'm looking at him, and the other's going, who is that? Who is that? Because he doesn't have the accent. He doesn't have the long hair. Uh-huh. It's him, but he's like so not so different. Huh. It's like, oh, wait, that's that guy. I do like Boomer. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's great. It's a good show, like I said. And Harrison, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I forgot that there's a lot of, especially in the beginning, Gaius Baltar having sex with number six or number whatever her name is. I was going to ask you about that. There's a lot of, it's very adult-heavy type content. I mean, the gay. But I mean, he's what? He's 12? He's 13. He knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's been to school. They showed him the movie. Right. You know, <laughs> they've had the talk. Um, you know, He watches Big Bang Theory. And they talk about sex a lot more on that show than they talk about in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but BSG is much more graphic, though. Visually, they show a lot more. Well, I mean, there's ain't nobody naked on it. Uh, but there's also a lot of uh, heavy plot lines in that show, too. I don't, I don't know where, how far along you are. The thickness of the plot doesn't bother him. It doesn't bother me any. And it doesn't bother Harrison. Did you get to the episode where they found the the captured version of Six on the Pegasus? And what they... have they had done yeah. to her. Oh, that's right. I had seen. Yeah, I. That's right. I, I. I saw most of the original series. Right now, I'm saying Harris and I. We're on like episode three. I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying. But as you go, they explore I, some yeah. pretty dark. Yeah, there's some dark stuff. I will probably be watching it ahead of him. But I mean, uh-huh. I don't know. He's actually pretty mature for his age. I, uh, hey, if I were 13, I would. I'd be all over that show. Yeah, I mean, so, let's put sense. it this way. He's red and gets. The, the Name of the Wind series, the mm-hmm. Patrick Rother stuff. He reads a lot of the Black Library fiction. You know, he's he's read the Tolkien stuff. He's read, mm. um, you know, he reads he read all, he reads all the Jim Butcher, the Harry Dresden novels. It's not a question of age; it's a question of maturity. So if yeah, he can handle saying, it, I then think he's he's at the point fine. where he's yeah he gets it. You know, and he he understands what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get nervous because he's thirteen, but sure, it's I mean. I guess he's at that age where I can't shield him from everything, mm-hmm. and that's I'm not going to worry about. Especially since they never portray it in such a. It's never, even when it gets a little nastier, it's like there's never anything that you're going to walk away thinking. There's nothing you need to blur out. Well, yeah, it's nothing you need to blur out, and it's nothing he's going to walk away going, "Oh, that was kind of cool." Might want to try that. Like, right. like the, right. it's 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 uncomfortable, so right. it's not like. I don't have to worry about him walking away going, hmm, I wonder what right. that's all about. Right, right. It's more walking around going, ugh, yeah, those people are bad, yeah. you know. Did you ever watch all the like um, spinoff shows for for BSG, the new ones? I did not. I know there was a whole bunch of Caprica, and they did some other stuff. Razor. Yeah, I did. There was a couple others. They're they're hit or miss, but I think when you watch those, it's more for the for me. It was more about the special effects. Was it at that point? But the original BSG, that one you're watching, I really enjoyed it. And I haven't. Like I said, I got all but the last like two seasons done. So. Oh, you ha- you haven't finished I, it? No, I, I stopped. Oh. I had to, I had to stop watching it for reasons I won't go into right now. But basically, I stopped watching it so that somebody else who said they wanted to watch it with me don't watch it. I want to watch it too. She didn't want to watch it. Oh, it wasn't Heather. Oh, I would say if it was Heather. But so I was like, don't watch it. I want to watch it too. Okay, good. I'll record it, and then when you come over, we'll watch it together. And then never, you know, just it never right. happened. So I wound up, you know, not seeing it. So okay. So now it's fun because I can watch it now with Harrison. Pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. Yep. You got nothing. I got nothing. So I guess let's move along. Um, When we come back, we'll be uh, talking to some people with the masters. That sounds like a plan.
Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Brad, again, uh, just finished Charlotte's pack episode. Good episode, and as a dogs of war player, they always hold out hope that the new battle scrolls will bring back some regiments. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Bye. And we are back, and with our final interview of the evening, everybody, please welcome the man who worked so hard to put all of this together, the guy behind the masters, Jerry Parsley. Jerry. What up? Welcome, Jerry. There hey, is. man. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, a little worse from where. Got, uh, <laughs> hey, the, look, got the Gamer AIDS this week. You're moving uh-huh. up in the world, though. You was, uh, The Masters was a Garage Gamer episode, a side yeah. episode, and... Up to the garage hammer, full. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, you, you did the rounds. Like you were on Heel and Hammer um, recently. Yeah, well, that's just well. it. It just stopped at Heel. You and, and Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> don't you? Oh. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. There you go. Yeah, I couldn't broad my way on there. They escorted me off. <laughs> yeah, and that was just to sit in the audience. Yeah, basically, like he's this guy. Get him out of here. <laughs> well, nice work on the Masters. Congratulations. Uh, the, the event seemed to go over really well. Uh, lots of coverage all over the place. So you did definitely did a good job uh, in terms of getting the word out and, and making it an interactive experience for those who are those of us who are watching from home, so we can still partake. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, uh, so did you guys actually watch the coverage live or watch it afterward? Or not a minute. I couldn't care less about this crap. <laughs> <laughs> it was in 40k, right, Dave? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or in squats or something. I gotcha. Yeah, there you go. No, I, I was watching uh, you know, the last few rounds, well, maybe parts of the last round and um, the, the closing ceremonies, so it was oh, neat yeah. to see it all unfold. Yeah, we were all well and drunk by then, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I dropped the mic on purpose at one point, too. Oh. I, I couldn't get away with slamming it when Johnny walked up for his painting trophy, like that was a surprise. Uh, so right. I guess I just had to drop it like I was a hip-hop star. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got Feedback talking to you from the venue after that one. Uh. <laughs> Jeez. So, all right. So, Jerry, uh, first of all, how long were you working to get this thing off the ground? Uh, we started, what, way back in June of last year? Not that long, but, I mean, certainly the longest uh, I've uh, put towards um, getting one event together. I mean, um, like, we've done, like, leagues with my local club or, um, you know, other other things that 
had a, a Blood Bowl leagues and stuff like that, or uh, you know, fantasy campaigns that that took a couple of months just to the duration of uh, how they would be played out. But for one event, um, the planning, I guess, went for a solid eight months, which is uh, actually pretty short considering the obstacles we initially had to face getting the uh, country together. But um, certainly longer than any. Uh, single planning of any one event I've done in the recent past or maybe uh, as far as I can remember. How did the uh, initial conversations go in terms of, uh, hey, let's organize um, a U.S. Masters? Did, did you just say, you know what, I'm going to do this and just ran with it? Or how did that well, whole thing come about? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us wanted to um, kind of get the United States community together in a, in a in one environment, one group. I mean, there's always been the Adepticon, and uh, the thing with the Adepticon is um, it, it, it's just recently went to a two-day event. Um, so a lot of the diehard grand tournament players from a lot of regions wouldn't go because it was just one day, four games, mm-hmm. and um, four games in one day is pretty brutal, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, by the end of the day, guys are just, you know, cashing out units and just, you know, running with it because they want to get started drinking beer, right. hanging out with their buddies, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there was always that. And then secondly, um, you know, I don't think it, it was uh, – it, it certainly was the largest or still is the largest United States – Warhammer tournament, but I don't think it was ever um, sold as uh, a competitive event, uh, rather than an event that would encapsulate like all of the the hobby aspects um, with strong soft scores, mm. really strong sports scores, you know, battles apart, you know, and you can see it with the armies that go on display and the Adepticon coverage with some of the ridiculous armies because mm. Crystal Brush is there and all yeah. this other stuff. So uh, when you Get it down to like the just pure grand tournament type experience for uh, deciding who's the king of kings. There was a hole to fill, and um, how the conversations kind of went about was we were uh, all preparing to go to this tournament in the Northeast called uh, Bragging Rights, mm-hmm. which is uh, based off the ETC model. And um, uh, I guess back in January, uh, when uh, when a lot of the regions decided to go to bragging rights, I guess there was some discussions because there was the American Team Championship in Tennessee. Um, the folks out in Denver were getting ready to run one. And um, <clears throat> basically, the Mid-Atlantic or uh, Cobra Kai, my club, and then I think I, uh, you know, kind of persuaded Kevin Bruins and Hengel from Leadership 2 to go with it and we all kind of backed the bragging rights GT in uh, Hartford, Connecticut and uh, that was going to be the first, and that actually was the first GT where uh, all the regions ended up uh, participating except for the Midwest because um, what happened with uh, you know uh, <clears throat> some of their teammates I guess Raj had some personal skill f- stuff going on mm-hmm. last summer or something where he couldn't attend and then it just it just wasn't worth it financially for uh mike uh johnny and uh kev to uh go to bragging or go to bragging rights and at the end of the day uh my club we couldn't even make it because i had a guy who just ended up having to close on a house that week and then another guy who started a new job uh, so you know at the end of the day <laughs> real the, life the, always the, gets the, the yeah life. real life <laughs> played it, like plans. literally literally like the last three weeks running up to the event so um so while bragging rights we everyone had the intention of making bragging rights the very first all regional um 
GT, um, at the end of the day, it had a heavy West presence, lots of Northeast guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a skeleton crew of a Mid-Atlantic team came and then another Mid-Atlantic club and no South region, Texas, you know, Gulf Coast folks showed up. Um, but the intention was there, and that was certainly something uh, that they're trying to grow on this year. So okay. um, the the positive thing was is um, we all still had each other's emails, and uh, then I got the bright idea that said, you know what? Um, we all want to do this. We all want to get together and break bread, drink beer, hang out. Um, why don't we finally just go ahead and have a U.S. Masters? And that's when I drafted that very first email. And I think David, you were on that one with a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of uh, other the leaders in the uh, the uh, communities. Yeah, I remember getting yeah. that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, and um, basically it was there. Um, a lot of strong personalities that didn't end up being the chairman were on that email as well. And um, I think from that initial email, we decided on uh, the chairman slash advisor model. Um, and then after that, uh, we ran with it. We uh, decided in uh, June that, um, you know, we'd have a committee lead. And since I was kind of like the uh, genesis point for getting it all together, um, I went ahead and took that role, um, which is, is a non-voting role. And then we had the four ch- or five chairmen for the uh, – five major uh, centers of American uh, Warhammer fantasy communities, um, <clears throat> which turned out to be the uh, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, Midwest, West Coast, and the South. So and, speaking uh, of the, uh, the regional aspects, uh, David and I were talking a little bit about this. Uh, yep. Why the decision to go regional versus just, let's say, a top 50 based off of ranking HQ? Well, um, that's because uh, not a lot of regions submitted stuff ranking HQ. Um, and, and, uh, basically, uh, basically it's about finding, uh, the best player, uh, from every part of the country. Um, and some of the better players, uh, because of how rankings HQ was designed, can't get to the minimum amount of, uh, events to, to calculate. Like, oh, uh, I see. before, before rankings HQ, there was a site called Warhammer's or Wargamers USA mm-hmm. that actually right. I used to run. <laughs> oh, was that you? Yeah, that that was me. Okay. And then uh yeah, then I uh, ended up getting it to giving it all the data to Andrew uh, Galea from mm-hmm. uh um Rankings HQ when he started that site. Um and we, we held off for about 6 months where we run perpendicular and then I was like, you know what, this is just too much trouble to have two uh, simultaneous mm-hmm. ranking systems going on. I mean, the data was pretty much the same. The only difference is initially, Ranking HQ only used four events or three events, and that's because I told Andrew that the country's just too large, you know. Um, and after about three years at just three events, uh, they expanded rankings to four, top four events. So that meant um, the players with regions that had, uh, you know, you could be the best player in say Texas and win you know, 300 man events. Mm-hmm. But if it's counting your top four, you won't break the top 50. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, you're it, it, you know, fourth event. yeah, yeah. Because you're only scoring 300 points. So, so, um, so okay, that's okay. a, that's a function then of ranking HQ's limitation that you well, have to work with in terms of the masters then from um, a logistic standpoint. Well, the, the thing is, is, uh, we wanted, we wanted, uh, the, the regions, are such in the United States that um, you can look at any part of the map and recognize what events go there. Like, you look at the Midwest, you can think of, you know, Adepticon, Bits, North mm-hmm. Star, Walpaca, 
you look on uh, Texas, you can think of Alamo, Lone Star, Bayou Battles, um, Warscon. You look at the Northeast, you think Crossroads, Colonial, mm-hmm. you know, Bragging Rights. So uh, when you look at the map um, and you look at those events, you'll notice on the rosters all the same players go to all the events because, with the exception of uh, regions that are in like uh, neutral zones like Buckeye Battles. Mm-hmm. And uh, up until the first year, both Northeast and Midwest kind of claimed it. And I think the Northeast uh, basically, I guess, gave it up to the Midwest. Um, and so there were a couple events like that. But it's uh, not a lot of cross-pollination uh, was going on. And um, to kind of get everyone on board with it um, – why we also decided on the regional model is if you're the only buddy, say, Chris, you, you do really well and um, you're in the top 50 from rankings HQ, mm-hmm. right? Um, but none of your other friends, except for maybe one dude who might not go, is in the top 50. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to mean you're not going either. So by breaking it up into the regions, we were able to uh, identify in each of the uh, – regions metas which are effectively like different countries mm-hmm. because of the uh, size of the player base for each particular region um the distance away from one another and uh and other things um but if if chris you you could go with nine of the other best players in your region chances are all of you will show up you know what i mean because right, you have someone to group so, yeah you have right. someone to share a hotel room with mm-hmm. someone you know who you can drink go drinking with someone you know who's one of the other better players in your region yep. and you know what these are the guys you rub shoulders with on the top tables in your home region well, let's see how we do when we hit uh, an event where everyone has their top guys there so right. that's kind of how we went with the regional model um and i think it's usually successful you know i don't know if uh just doing it off individual numbers i think um I think the nation's just too big. I mean, like uh, I was saying on a uh, uh, Once Bitten's episode with um, with uh, with Dan Healan, mm-hmm. uh, th- th- to put it in uh, put the size of the United States, the furthest GT player that showed up to the U.S. Masters is the equivalent of being in London, going to Uzbekistan, west uh, east of the Caspian Sea, Jeez. just to play at this event. You right. know what I mean? So that's a huge area. You know, that's like, you know, I don't know the size of continental Europe, but, uh, you know, I think that's even, uh, you know, continental Europe, I think it's only 2,000 miles wide. So you're still looking another 1,000 miles mm-hmm. deep into Asia, you know, and that's yeah. where these dudes are coming from to play. So, I mean, I don't know. It's not like a one-size-fits-all thing, unfortunately. Absolutely. No, that that does make sense. The, the rankings HQ limitation back when rankings HQ was around, mm-hmm. and then the, the group, you know, traveling with a group, um, you know, it, I would totally be more apt to go... If a bunch of my friends or people that I knew in the region were going to go versus myself, where I don't know anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I might well. Look at me. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm ever going to get to go. Well, I mean, speaking hypothetically, you know. Yeah. No, I'd rather go with you than go by myself. I'd rather go with you and Grant or a couple of guys. Right. Yeah, I get get that point. I didn't realize that. That wasn't part of a conversation I was in on, so... Hmm. I knew knew why, because Jerry had told me, you know, we'd be going with the regions, but I I never thought about the likelihood of people to go. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, I mean, you got to think, even these regions are, I mean, like, uh, the guys at uh, Club Capri in Southern California, they've got to drive a good eight hours to play, uh, you know, the guys at Quick City Rumble, the North California guys. And, I mean, um, from one area, like, I think uh, the Mid-Atlantic, we go all the way from Glen Burnie, Maryland, all the way to Columbia, South Carolina. So you're talking about a good eight-hour drive mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Don't even get started. You know, you, I think Rellion takes 11 hours to get to North Star or something ridiculous. Yeah, his, right? He said his closest tournament of any real size is three and a half hours away. 
Yeah. So I mean, tournament. yeah, yeah. Well, so, and 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 that's the thing. I think um, when you get uh, like the other masters from the other countries, um, and see again, we stole this model largely off um, off the other off the other nations, but mm-hmm. Australia is the most similar to us because they divide theirs in, they, they still only have a 16 man masters and they divide, uh, they have slots for the top ranked player in each region or each state. Oh, they, and they do theirs by the states of the country because they only have like four or five. Um, I don't know if they call them states or providences or, you know, some Australians going to hang me, but you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> either way. That's, that's how they, de- that's how they determine theirs. Um, and then you got uh, the name of our states wrong. Get a rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, the UK. I mean, uh, I mean, I can't imagine they're more than six hours from top to mm-hmm. bottom of the island. You know. Um, so when yeah. you talk to each region, then did you just say, okay, look, you guys are responsible for organizing your particular region to determine who you want to invite, exactly. or or exactly. did you put out a general template as a recommendation, or no, how did that work? We think of old school. Uh, uh, colonial United States constitutional uh, uh, government. Basically, um, the state governments or the regional governments can figure out however the heck they want with no overhead from us, from uh, you know the uh, the actual national committee. Um, basically, you have uh, ba- uh, basically you just have to provide the information from how a player can log onto a website and determine how they can play in your events and qualify for your event, um, and uh, be able to come up with the uh, regional dues that help the prize support, and um, and basically that's it, <laughs> you know. Oh, okay. and, and basically, of course, um, you're the, the chairman uh, for your region. You're supposed to, uh, I guess, get the opinion of your players every time there's a ballot on rules and stuff like that, and you have to hopefully um, vote how your community would you want you to. And and I think that, mainly, that mostly happened because uh, you could see some discrepancies of how the Midwest guys voted compared to the mm-hmm. Northeast, you know, compared to the California guys. Right. So I think everyone, uh, everyone was uh, basically uh, following to a T. But like um, setting up the determinations for who qualifies mm-hmm. or whatever, I mean, every region's different. So I would have uh, basically no right to... Uh, Put that on any of you guys, because personally, I've never played in bits. I've never played North Star. Sure, I don't know your events. I don't know your players. I don't know your meta. So I really don't have a dog in the fight. <laughs> so true, I, have to, true. I have to leave it to guys who are well respected, who uh, know the scene, mm-hmm. um, know the community, and um, and let them. How the hell did it. I get on this committee? Ah, you, you're, just, <laughs> you're, you're just the pretty face, Dave. Uh, well, that is true. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Let's uh, call a spade a spade. David Whitech, we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Want to make sure. <laughs> Keep it up, you. Yeah. So back to back to the regional thing. So um, we had talked to Kevin Bruins before about uh, the Midwest selection process. Uh, can you talk up a little bit about uh, the varying processes of b- between regions, or were they different, or were they were they similar in the end? They they were all different. Um, yeah, the closest two were the. Uh, uh, the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, just because uh, I think they are the two closest neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I helped set up the Mid-Atlantic, I just ripped the... I mean, you know, I think any any good... Um, I don't want, you don't want to say inventor, but you you want to say uh, any any person who tries to put something together, any good founder of a company, mm-hmm. they get the best ideas or to them, which are great ideas, and then they steal them, sure. you know? 
So um, it, it goes all the way top down, like uh, like with the Wargamers USA site. That name is straight up stolen from Wargamers AU from the Australians. Okay, you know, um, and uh, from the Northeast, uh, they had a uh, internal ranking system called uh, the Overlord. So. We have the Southern Overlord, you know, who just <laughs> outright snatched it, you know, and it worked inspirational, for inspirational, right? Oh yeah, inspirational or theft, whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> basically, basically, what we would do is uh, both both of the uh, Northeast and Mid Atlantic would just take their uh, x amount of tournaments, and I think um, last year for the Northeast it was ten events, and the Mid Atlantic is, you know, five events. Um, so it's about. I think they probably have twice the population of almost any region with the exception of the Midwest anyway, so have twice the events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they are pairing that back, but again, I haven't looked at their board so much. Um, but anyway, we, we basically uh, took the highest finishers on a, a formula similar to Rankings HQ, and we popped them in there. And the good thing is, is all the regions, they have their own formula. It's similar to the Mid-Lank one, but we have ours, and we switched it uh, for the points values and stuff for this upcoming season. And the good thing is, is because we do our own thing, it's proof against stuff like Rankings HQ, which mm-hmm. collapsed, you know. Right. Uh, so uh, th- th- that's the good thing with with uh, with those individual ranking systems. So um, you guys as a region are pretty organized in terms of tracking tournament results. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we do everything in committees. Um, hmm. So we have a, we have a Mid-Atlantic committee. Um, you know, and then we have a rules committee for the uh, rules in Midland. Then we have a national uh, TO committee. I mean, so basically, wow. I, stole the, I stole all everything. We all take turns being a weekly officer of the week with a biweekly meeting that has to be ratified <laughs> right. by a two-thirds majority. Yeah. Well, I, I, t- I mean, organization is how you get these things done, David. And um, there's just too many. Uh, there's too many. Uh, varying opinions of what makes this hobby mm-hmm. great or what makes competitive Warhammer great to be able to uh, putin it and uh, order, you know, you can't be like Vladimir out there <laughs> just forcing it into this box, you know, everyone wants their say, this is oh, America. There's plenty of people who try to force it into a box, I mean Yeah, ask my wife um, and uh, basically, uh, we would uh, so what we do is in the Mid-Atlantic, um, we have a, a Mid-Atlantic uh, TO committee, I guess mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, formed that one when we started Southern Overlord. Um, and then we have our own Masters event. And we have, um, you know, uh, basically we have our own internal thing. And basically we just upsize that to the national scale mm-hmm. and use parts of that as a model. Um, and, and basically that's, that's effectively that. So to answer your question, Chris, uh, yeah, we are pretty, we try to be organized down here because we all want the same experience. Um, and nothing's worse than uh, we would go to one event and they play like virtual pivoting or some other rule different or have a different interpretation of the rule book. Right. And then you would go to another event and it'd be so different and then it costs you a game and you're like, what the heck? You know, so hmm. we, we basically try to, uh, you know, find something that all the major tournament organizers and a lot of the uh, head rule judges in our region could identify with and come up with, uh, like, you know, what what would make the most sense. And uh, we just stuck with it. And then every year we revise whatever we think works or doesn't work. Um, so that's basically the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. Those guys had an uh, internal ranking system, and, uh, you know, that's how they selected theirs. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I have to say I'm impressed that you guys as a region – 
you know, take that extra step to organize your, your tournament scene. We don't have like that anything like that in the Midwest. I ain't doing it. Why? You are the co-chair, so I'm looking right at you. <laughs> don't look at yeah. me. I got enough trouble. Yeah. Look, yeah, you, you know should, all the TOs. Crack the whip. There you go. Uh-uh. <laughs> I am not the whip cracker. I am the guy. I am the pretty face. You heard, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jesus. I also heard, uh, Chris, you're like the smart human, right? So you should... <laughs> That's I, the if, I, if I'm a smart human, then this ship is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to drown. Right. Uh, no idea what my train of thought was. But um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after that, like, so those are those two regions. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, Hengel, uh that uh, he was the uh, him and uh, Fred Whitney from uh, West Coast Hammer Time. They were mm-hmm. the uh, West Coast chair and advisor, and they basically uh, took the winners of their five biggest events, mm-hmm. and then um, they had a qualifier where the top five people from the qualifier got the other five slots. And they so would... So was the qualifier an actual, like a tournament where people competed yep, yep. for a spot? It, it, it was like, it's the equivalent of the West Coast Masters, I guess. Oh, I see. Uh, whereas, oh, that's nice. So you get the, the five top players for those events. The five per, winners. Per ranking. You know. the, five, the, five. the five winners go, and then the five second place guys, or the, the, the next right. rankings guys get well, to play yeah, for... It, it, but like Quake City Rumble, I think, had 112 people. Um and I think they got to send 15 people to the qualifier tournament, whereas like uh, Barry, Barry, Bay Area Open or one of the other tournaments, they had like 40 or 30 people. They got to send like five people to the qualifier. So it was based on the size of the event. So if you finished in the top 15 or top 12 of a 100-man event, that gave you more leverage than if you finished in the top 10 of like a 13-man event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so um, basically that's how they did it. And they came up with – I think it turned out the, – the field turned out to be about 20 players and they're going to rotate it between the east and uh not east coast north coast the north north california south california mm-hmm. every year of where their quote-unquote masters takes place and that's i think they're continuing on that model and that, that model is pretty sweet um the texas folks or the south region uh that's like oklahoma arkansas um louisiana uh, Gulf Coast, basically. Mm. Uh, they basically uh, had a committee of all their TOs or uh, tournament organizers together, and they selected um, basically their eight uh, best players who uh, did well in uh, the majority of the events. Basically, uh, they, they just came up with some sort of average or some sort of metrics. Mm. And then they also got wouldn't allow anyone who would have any bad sport vote ever at any of the events. They were disqualified. Huh. And basically, wow. their, their opinion is <laughs> they wanted to represent the best that the South has to offer towards a gaming experience. And, and those last two spots they had, so they only had eight of those guys, and then they had their best painter and their best sportsman go, too. And unfortunately, it didn't work out too well for the Texas folks. Mm-hmm. And if you look on Wargamers USA, uh, they're getting a lot of flack from their countrymen down there because, uh, you know, they're like, you should have sent the best of the best, uh, you know. Well, um, that's, that's a regional thing that I suppose they'll have yeah, to yeah, iron well, out internally. And, yeah, and <laughs> Don't mess with Texas. <laughs> yeah. but, that, but that's the thing. Like every region, uh, you know, uh, John Bailey, um, who was turned out to be one of the uh, rules judges uh, for the event, and he's the chairman. Mm-hmm. That dude's been running the Alamo for 10-plus years. Years. He has a strong handle on the community down there, and uh, you know he's been in the scene a really long time. So uh, I'm sure they'll sort their stuff out. But um, that just goes to show that every every uh, region has its own uh, challenges to mm-hmm. face. And then of course, um, you know the Midwest. Uh, I could have David explain it, but he'd probably explain it wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Once again, my eyes got wide. Wait, don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> um, so. 
Oh, you missed yeah. earlier in the show we had Bruins on, and I had basically said, listen, okay, disclaimer, I'm the, sec- I'm I know the number nothing. two guy. And then I put up the other disclaimer. You know, when Kevin was figuring all this stuff out, my phone was not ringing. He was like... <laughs> Listen, you just you just you record yeah, when Jerry calls. Face. You know, yeah, you just sit and look pretty. That's exactly. Here's something so- nice to play with. Just wait till they call you. When Jerry wants to come on, you let him on. Otherwise, just sit there and play with your dwarf models. I'm like, okay, I, I can do this job. <laughs> as long as he said dwarf models, that's fine. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh my god. Anyway, so you're saying Jerry about the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the uh, selection process the the Midwest originally decided on was going to be um, uh, not a ranking system due to, I guess, the the ranking HQ thing, I think, had an adverse effect on the Midwest community. I, I mean, that's the story I heard, not being from the Midwest. So he, ultimate, uh, he selected a model, or Kevin decided on a model that put the highest two residents, uh, highest two finishes of the two residents, um, of the Midwest at the top five tournaments, so like Wapak at North Star, Bits, uh, Adepticon, Buckeye Battles. Um, so even if they would finish like third and fourth, or Nebrolian would have first place in three of them, they would just do a pass down method. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and the good thing I love is the example. Nebrolian, you know, if there's someone who finishes, or if Nebrolian plays in all the tournaments, right? Yeah, well, he already it up for everybody. He, he already qualified for 2015 before even playing 2014. He knocked North Star oh, right out. <laughs> That's right, he did. Or not North Star, uh, Wapaka. Yeah, Wapaka. Wapaka. Yeah. Just First two-time one. winner. Yeah. Um, so basically, that's uh, that's how everyone selected it. And you know what? If they decide to do something entirely different, Chris, mm-hmm. that's completely up to them as long as they have the support of the community. Now, um, I think we did a good job in selecting the chairs for each region. Mm-hmm. Um now, if there's ever a, a situation where the players as a whole from regions are emailing uh, myself with the other committee members saying, look, dude, I don't know who this guy is, but uh-huh. he doesn't even show up to our tournaments, yada, 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 then we've got to actually make some changes. But I think we did a pretty good job, um, and I think all the chairmen and all the advisors gave us a pretty good uh, vibe and feedback on the uh, the, the regions that they're uh, uh, residents of and they're responsible for. I think so. Yeah, they they, they function kind of like aldermen's in, in some respects. You know, they they organize their districts and listen to the people, and then and then they those changes. and then they jump into the pit and fight for what we wanted to bring to the masters. Yeah, yeah, it's America, man. America, yeah, <laughs> you know, the American masters. We got to do it like we were raised, man. Yeah. It's interesting that every region brought their own flavor, their own interpretation of what to bring to the masters, like that, like. The South that you're you're talking about, it sounds like they brought their best sportsmen to kind of represent themselves as yeah, well, and like ambassadors it, of the and, game. And we were having yeah. this conversation before because several people had asked us. I know people were asking me, Dave, who are these people who are in our region who are going? And I'm like, oh, okay. They're like, and they're worried. They're like, you know, we're sending them from tournaments where there's such a heavy sports and and, and, paint. and paint. Where uh, where you know we you and I had that conversation. Yeah. I thought you know who, I mean, but, who should we send to this being at the Masters? You know, my my take was we we have to send our best competitors. You know, our, our hardest players. Forget spa- uh, paint and forget sports. They're going there to win. Right, we couldn't well, send our hardest get- players or our filthiest players because Rellian broke his knee. But, yeah, so. he, he had a ticket. Well, I mean, the thing yes. is, it, it's 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 different from every region. We're going through that same thing in the uh, mid-Atlantic right now. Right. You know what? Hold up one second, Jerry. Before you answer that question, uh, Chris, 
Do you mind if we take a quick break Not and then we all. come back you can ask your question again? Okay. All right, we'll be right sure. back, folks. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com, and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Like that music, Chris. Oh, very that, good. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> no accounting for taste. I thought it was lovely. Oh, oh goodness! No <laughs> accounting for taste. I'm hurt. What was that? Black Sabbath? No, no. That's some more of my nonsense. I think that was Monster Magnet. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it is it's Monster Magnet. That's the name of the band. They got that from Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa had a song called "Return of the Son of Monster Magnet," so they were. Black Sabbath. <laughs> Plays a Black Sabbath. I, just, I, can't even hear, I can't even hear the music. I'm just being an idiot. All right. <laughs> um, jump back so, on the crazy train here. Yes, oh, oh <laughs> see what you did there. That, that, <laughs> right. see, that's why you you're like the that? smart man. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, <laughs> so was there any talk about, uh, before the Masters event actually happened, was there any talk or concern or discussion on the different regions and what types of uh, teams that they they bring? Some being, you know, the the, the South sounds like they, they focus more on sportsmanship versus the Northeast, which is notorious for being very competitive. Was there any discussion on the differences in the teams and their makeup? Um, no. Like I said earlier, I think that's in, up to the individual chairs mm-hmm. and their regional um, advisors. Uh, basically, what the what the South. Uh, did and what they're taking flag for is uh, they basically selected a team that was uh, predicated on what uh, what really drives the Warhammer hobby in their region and if that is let's show them what best sports that the South region has to offer let's show them some of the best paint we have to offer and let's show them eight of our darn better players then that's what they're going to do and that's what they should do because they should be true to the region sure. now um like with the Mid-Atlantic, we're having that same conversation now because there is a group and even a, a couple guys in my own club that are like, hey, it's the Masters. Shouldn't we be just sending dudes off raw battle score and screw paint, sports, whatever? And th- that that is 
um, going to be a big fight, I'm sure, when the chairmen go for ballots and things uh, later this uh, later this spring. And uh, the reason for that is twofold. A, um, the uh, American players or the American players wondering that, like I guess, like you said. Uh, off camera with your uh, off camera off mic with your discussions with uh, you know should we be sending just the best players or rather the people that you know I mean if you do well in a tournament that has like fifty percent paint does that mean you're a good player well um, yes and no would mm-hmm. be the answer I guess because you know, when when you look at best general scores how do you know it's the player ability rather than just a hard list I mean so when you really break it down. Um, it's it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, if you just took best battle points and then you uh, took some dude who took broken lists all year, is that dude really that good? Or is the better player someone who takes uh, lesser used choices but still finishes uh, respectably and pretty high? Due to stronger you know? sportsmanship and paint and whatnot? Well, I mean, not necessarily that. I mean, if, if uh, that dude can then exceed the person playing the hard choices. Mm. I mean, of course, you're going to get a good player like Relly, and he's a good player, and he takes nasty lists. And there's something to be said for that because that's what he enjoys of the hobby. You know, and by all rights, and there's a lot of people who do that. It's not just Brad. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people. In fact, I'll tell you, when I saw some of those lists, when they posted some of the lists within the comp, I'm like, Psh, I've seen I've seen less filthy lists with no comp. I mean, really, some of that well, stuff got maybe, nasty. Maybe so, maybe not. The Swedish but, comp is a separate part that we should cover. But right. I think but that, I'm, and I'm not complaining. But I'm just saying that you know, some people just take the best list you can in the system, and it doesn't matter where you're from or what type of style you like to play. Some people are going to go right. look for that. Go look for that best list, and there's, I mean, there's some of it there, and that's, and that's, like I said, there's, there's so many different styles of play that, I mean, I mean, that's why you had to do the regions, right? Right, right. Well, and, and at the end of the day, people just like to enjoy the hobby better, mm-hmm. or not better, uh, differently, um, and which could be better in their eyes, mm-hmm. like. Um, I am notorious for, in my region, never taking the same army to more than one tournament in a row. Um, and that hurts me because I'll never get, you know, that razor fine to edge that, that, some dude, sure. right, that some dude would play with uh, one army for like, I don't know, three years, four years or more. Um, because that's not what I enjoy. And then I compound that with not even taking necessarily the best choices in the list because I like the models. And just like, you know, Coven Throne over there, uh-huh. people like... <laughs> just people like Coven Throne over there. Yeah, people <laughs> like the just few wanted of the to models reiterate that in case people weren't listening. Can we call you that? Uh, no, not if you want me to respond. <laughs> Yeah, the bearded throne. Um, people the just bearded like to... throne. <laughs> Holy <laughs> mackerel! Yeah, um, but, but people can uh, basically at the end of the day. Um, there's no cut and dry way to decide or um, mm-hmm. say who's the best player um, in your individual regions. Now, because it's a regional model, you have a good. You can tell, like Raj. For example, in your region, has amazing armies, mm. and he's a pretty darn good player. Right. Um, and after a set amount of duration of time, that just becomes known. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and if Raj was to qualify for the Masters, then there's not many people that would say, "Hey, this dude just plays hard lists," or "Hey, this dude just has well painted armies." Mm-hmm. Just like Johnny. I mean, dude has well painted armies, but no one's going to say he got in. By virtue of just his armies, either right. you know. Now, whether or not those guys should lose their spot to some dude who just brings the absolute filth, 
uh, every event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's that's up to Kevin and that's up to your chair. But the thing is, is I don't, I don't, I think the uh, I think the people that would j- uh, get gain and lose spots just based off that alone would be maybe one or two per region. Right. You know, so in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it would really alter who qualifies for the Masters and who doesn't. It's just a most of it's a matter of consistency. Like even the regions that don't use ranking systems, um, you get like uh, Mike Gerald. Um, he goes to play in tournaments. He's proved his worth and smashed plenty of people. You get, uh, you know, some of the name players who go to multiple events and they happen to do really well, you know, in every event they go to. If you know, I mean, it, it just gets to be known, you know. Okay. So, I don't know if that really answered your question because. Oh you know, yeah, it does. It certainly gives us some good insight in terms of you know the different regions and how each one is different and then how you uh, you know organize them and pull them together in the end. So, you know what, let me ask you this, because we've been talking about how, you know, the United States is very different than other places, and you'd, oh, yeah. mentioned, oh, the, yeah. you'd mentioned the other masters before. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the thoughts that I was worrying about, and I was wondering about, and part of it was, you know, on some of the forum nonsense that was going on, I kept seeing people saying this isn't a team event, and people saying, the heck, it isn't a team event, what are you talking about? And, you know, the masters traditionally, at least other masters, are a, a single man event. Right, and because right, we're right. coming from different regions, I was wondering if it almost was going to wind up being like you know beforehand, like an like an American team championship. Um, of course, they don't have team scores, so it wouldn't necessarily. But I mean, just how did that how did that dynamic play out? Because I know at times it was, it was it was becoming you know sort of headache ridden for you, at least to uh, moderate. I mean, <laughs> people were getting even and people were getting mad at everybody. People were getting even mad at you when you were just trying to moderate the forum. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Fighting was, down the uh, minimum. I was un-American for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> I was on people's free speech laws. It was terrible. Um, I think uh, the regional dynamic isn't a negative thing for the Masters. A lot of people were turned off on it because a lot of guys, for the very first year, it generated excitement because they wanted to be able to represent, you know, like where they're from or what region they're in. And uh, I think a lot of the fun, one of my favorite times or favorite memories from the Masters is when we were taking team photos and Grant was laying there on the bottom. And right when we clicked the camera, I think Johnny farted on his head. (laughs) I mean, it was great. And we had it all on video camera. And uh, it was just, you know... um, it was. I think it's a lot of fun. Man. I didn't hear that story. You know, Grant never told me that story. Yeah, I mean, straight on his head. It was. Grant, it was loud. you're leaving was, out some juicy. I heard about his games. Yeah, well, we couldn't tell if it was uh, Johnny or Kev, but I talked to Kev later, and he's like, no, it was Johnny, <laughs> and it was the best. If I can find the video somewhere, I'll maybe upload it. Um, but yeah, that just uh, that immediately told me, yeah, the Midwest guys are here, you know, <laughs> uh, the farts started coming out. Um, so, and it was kind of neat seeing everybody in their regional shirts. I think, um, of course, uh, uh, the, the regional prize does something in the sense that it spreads out, um, prize support, uh, for, all the players in the region. So at least if you get 10 people, that's 10 people who are getting a trophy of some sort or a medal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice because it's nice to be part of something. Um, and also it's, it's, it's 
cool for you know community building and seeing the different guys in the different shirts drinking and you know it's a, 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 t- a conversation starter if you're playing uh from a guy in a red shirt then you know he's from the south region and then you guys can kind of talk and mm-hmm. you know it gets some of that you know um angst the uh you know stress of being the first u.s masters you're playing against some dude you don't know where he's from or any of this other stuff all you know is he's an obstacle in your way um, it gives you something to break the ice with, you know, and um, it's kind of neat. Um, I I think a lot of us had similar concerns that you had, David, that we were afraid that it would turn into some sort of, you know, team event. And, you know, if some guys really want to think of it like that, uh, maybe that's what they take enjoyment out of it. Like the Masters is really what people uh, – what enjoyment people get out of it, um, you know, and whether that's fighting it out on the top tables or whether that means drinking with every single region on different nights uh, like some of us did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's what – you get it, you get out of it what you put into it. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think uh, – I don't think the regional thing had a, any – backlash or um, bad uh, bad press after the event happened. I mean, beforehand that was certainly one of the things we were kind of nervous about, but uh, at the end it turned out okay, you know? It seemed like it, it, all the regions uh, gelled nicely together and became, you know, a, a national community. I think there was some anxiety going into it that uh, yeah, you know, the but I think, the church would well, become I mean, more divisive. Well, I mean, stuff divisive. got ugly. Stuff got, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, we've already mentioned it before, you know, but on, I mean, things got, I mean, when you're hearing about it on other podcasts, how the, the you know you want a good read, go onto the War Gamers USA forum and look at this, you know, yeah. I mean it got it got it got ugly and it did it made people and I, I know it made me nervous. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Like yeah. I was really, I was worried going into this. I'm like, and I know I expressed it to Chris. I'm like, you know, I hope this goes really well because. I told Jerry we'd have him on to talk about it afterwards, and if, <laughs> if things get really ugly, you know, we're not going to hide it, and it's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to talk about that sort of stuff. Exactly, you don't want to. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, oh, I oh, hope this I goes. mean, and, and and if it did go ugly, then of course, uh, you know, the press asked the hard questions, you know, so that's something we have to confront, you know, <laughs> head on. Um, but I, to tell you the truth, I think um, part of that was. Uh, you know, it's in the days since the Masters, I think the community, it did its job. Everyone, uh, the community, there's a lot less infighting. There was some infighting immediately after the Masters, but that was due to some heightened tensions on some of the top tables. And uh, basically, um, uh, people just being frustrated or didn't have a good game. And then um, immediately afterward, um, as soon as I saw that start popping up on Twitter, I went ahead and laid down the code of conduct rules, you know, like saying, hey, look, Mother efforts are going to start getting banned from this event, you know, because at this point, um, we didn't police that hard because we wanted to make sure everyone participated, everyone could have their say, no matter how opinionated, and um, basically get everyone on board just to give it a shot. Now that the event has happened, we know it was popular enough and strong enough to succeed regardless. So if you're just going to be starting a mess or if you're going to just be disruptive into the commuting community building aspect then we don't need you and uh now you know that's a reality um you know that's it's we're not going to really tolerate it anymore because it's just i mean it, it serves no purpose you know at the end of the day arguing a game of toy soldiers with people online like until help. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. I mean, you know, I certainly have more important 
simple stuff to worry about, you know. And I've known when you started the Masters. Right. So what's that tell you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's true. Speaking um, of um, the regions, I, I think from what I understand, the first two rounds, I think. Uh, players from the same region has sort of um, uh, inter-region immunity. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't play each other. Is that right? Right. Right. Well, we didn't want uh, players who travel from you know, let's say, fifteen hundred miles mm-hmm. to turn around and battle someone they play all the time. That would suck. Uh, you know, and unfortunately for some of the Northeast guys, because they were cleaning up, it, that did in fact happen uh, on a couple occasions. And for that, I just have to say, stop kicking everyone's butt so much. <laughs> you know, but when They're you signed seven up, seven of the top ten, they couldn't have been knocking each other out that hard. Yeah, well, but with the, at the end of the day, is um, you when you sign up for the event, you know the possibility of that happening. We try to alleviate it, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it's about finding the best player. And if that means Chris Yu and David Watek are the last two men standing, or the highest points after game three, or after game two, you know? Yeah, I mean, that finally happened. Yeah, you guys, you guys just have to go at it, you know? Sorry about your luck. Right. And if it's something you're not willing to do, then obviously, obviously the event might not be you know the right event. But the the, the ultimate goal is to find um, the the U.S. champion, the national champion. That's the ultimate goal. Everything else is you know uh, it's a nice add-on, but it's peripheral. You know, like cool, we can do best region. But at the end of the day, the last thing that's absolutely going is the national champion because otherwise, there's no point in having a Masters. Um, when you yeah. guys uh, factored scoring, was it just based purely on battle points, or did you factor in sportsmanship and paint scores it, as well? It was just battle points, and this is kind of where I was leading to with our um, our, our first uh, uh, the first part of the uh, conversation when we we touched upon that earlier, where um, a lot of uh, a lot of regions are internally arguing about sending their best quote unquote players mm-hmm. or their best quote unquote GT players. Like, of course, the GT players being who you know do all the hobby, like right. the sports, the paint, whatever. Um, and but and it's this really like all rounders versus best generals, right? Exactly. And see, and this is where the United States. Um, has to kind of go on, we'll carry on our own path and lead our own way. And this is what's going to cause a lot of discussions that I'm sure David will be witness to when the committee meeting start up. Mm-hmm. Because let's look at it. The only examples we can use are the Australians and the British, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they only have 16 people, um, and they just take the best battle, and then they fight it out, and you get a winner. Well, the size of the country prevents us from taking just 16 people. It wouldn't happen because of the example I used earlier, Chris. If uh, we took best 16 or 20 or 50 people and none of your buddies were up there, I mean, what are the chances of you going to travel 3,000 miles by yourself? Mm -hmm. You might not do it. So um, a lot of people selected their uh, representatives differently, right? And um, the way it's been put to me is most of the United States tournaments, they select overall – from a combination of sports, composition, battle, um, painting, mm-hmm. right? So why are you going to do that all season and that at the Super Bowl make it just straight battle? Right. You know, because that's not how any of the other American tournaments are run. That's their argument, mm-hmm. and that's a valid argument. But the other – the naysayers are saying, well, all the other Masters tournaments in the world are just battle. You know, uh, I mean, you don't go into the UK Masters and start comparing Mark Wildman's painting against Jack Armstrong's. You know, it's just right. – 
a crop, whoever gets to the top of the mountain have to fight it out with just battle only. Right. So there's two sides of the coin, and that's going to be hotly debated because we're going to add more prizes. But then the question is, is the U.S. master the guy who gets the overall score or the guy who gets – the master this year, the best general. And that's mm. it's difficult to think. I mean, America is different. And there's reason to say, you know, no offense to the British or Australians, but screw them. We'll do our own thing, right? Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that uh, don't mind falling in line and having, hey, look, this is the masters. You make it here. Let's just make it about battle. Let's see who can really play. Um, so they both have valid arguments. And I hope it doesn't turn into a three-month-long battle, but I have a sneaky suspicion that's going to be the battle of 2014 for the chairman. Well, uh, when it comes to actually making that decision, will that be put up to vote then? Will the chairman yes. vote on okay, which way they want to go? Absolutely. What uh, what will happen in about two weeks is I will start taking uh, ballot propositions, propositions mm-hmm. proposals from the advisors and the chairman who will be talking to the regents about what they want to see the next masters, right? Um, after I get that, I will find the ones that are actually uh, – Valid as opposed to crazy talk, mm-hmm. you know, like hey, let's make the whole thing more magic. Okay, well that's <laughs> not going to happen, right? Because I know what it'll fail. So I'll, I'll get the the ones that are reasonable. I mean, most of them, all of them will be looked at, but only the ones that you know won't be just rejected outright, like just ridiculous. Um, and then we'll, we'll I'll put it on a, a form, and then we'll send it out to the chairman, and then there'll be a brief explanation, and then they'll start voting. Now the thing is with this year is we have eight regions or um, three new regions are joining and that should cover up the entirety of the United States. The Pacific- so if you could cover those three new regions, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have uh, David Reed. He's going to be... David Reed and Todd... Uh, I think his last name is Perkins. I'm not sure. But uh, they run like the Redstone Rumble and the uh, ATC, the American Team Championship. In the, so they're in the deep south. They'll have like Alabama... Um, Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky would probably report to them rather than the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got like the Deep South. I mean, they're still too far away from Arkansas and Texas um, to be a part of the South, and they're too far from South Carolina to be part of the Mid Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the traditional like SEC area, if you look on a college football mm-hmm. map, um, then you have the Mountain Region, and the Mountain Region is where. Um, the Bug Eater PT from Nebraska mm-hmm. is joining because um, uh, basically it's not used currently in the Midwest. And it's 12 hours. I mean, when people think the Midwest, they're like, uh, it's hard for them to differentiate the Great Plains states from the Midwest. And it was for me too until I realized that Omaha is like 12 hours away from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And that's only like two states away. Like on the East Coast, that's like eight states away, 12 hours, you know. Right. <laughs> You're talking about like two. You know, so um, <laughs> so so the bug eater surprisingly only like uh, six hundred miles, or uh, not six hundred miles, maybe like six hours or seven hours away from uh, the slobber knocker uh, in Oklahoma oh. City, and then like uh, a couple of the Denver tournaments, and then of course Las Vegas Open. Uh, they switched from the West Coast to the Mountain Region. So um, the uh, Chad Graham is uh, the chairman for the Mountain Region, and uh, they'll be entering play. Um, and they've already actually had their first event this year, and their second event happens in about two weeks. Um, so they're up and rolling. And then the guys at uh, Dimensional Cascade Podcast up in Seattle, mm-hmm. they're running the Pacific Northwest. Um, 
And the Pacific Northwest is probably the most isolated of all the regions because uh, when you think about like San Francisco and the North Cal guys, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about every bit of 12, 13 hours to get to Seattle, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, there's going to be debates because we're opening it up to uh, – I mean, they, they their scene is very much – uh, combined with, uh, I guess that's British Columbia up there um, right. for the Canadian scene, and they have a hundred man tournament right across the border. Um, so we've got to decide on how we're dealing with Canadian players. Right. Um, we, so we've got a lot of things we got to kind of work out because there's Should a lot. Be of Always got to deal with the Canadians. Yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> I think they saw what happened in the South Park movie. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so, so I mean, we got a couple of things we can we can uh, we can work on, and um, hopefully, when when those three regions underplay, that put us at eight mm-hmm. eight uh, chairmen. So uh, it's possible that things could get um, to uh, eight, a four four tie. Uh, sure. And if that happens um, before uh, the committee lead, I wouldn't have a vote. And uh, I think in that instance, um, as the ninth member of the actual committee. Um, you know, not counting the advisors, of course, because that would just be eight more. Right. You know, I think uh, basically whoever the yeah, – We all whoever, vote with our guy. Okay, yeah. it's still tied. Let's yeah, go. yeah, exactly. So I think um, at that point, um, that and then I would step in and be the deciding vote. Um, but, again, we haven't really uh, crossed that path. And to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean there's been a couple of close votes in the past, so – you know, I, I guess we'll just see how it goes. Um, okay. it, but at the end of the day, what people have to remember is um, no one's going to be happy with 100% of the stuff that come up for the U.S. Masters. Um, you get a lot of people that uh, don't like the building rules, mm-hmm. um, and quite rightly, because they're very convoluted to play in competitive Warhammer. But at the same time, you have a lot of regions that say, hey, we play with the building rules. Suck it, you right. know. And th- that's <laughs> equally valid. You know, you can't say I can't say, "Hey, David Watek, uh, here in the South, we don't play building rules." Um, and you could be like, "Well, I play building rules," you know. And at the end of the day, if we were going right from the rule book, technically, I guess you'd be right, David. But the thing is, find the middle ground between the two yes, people. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> you know. Um, so I don't know if anyone's ever going to be happy with whatever the committee does, mm. but. Um, those long sessions bitching back and forth at one another are for no reason. So I would hope right. everyone just assumes that uh, their chairman are going to do their very best. Okay. Okay. Um, I do have one last question uh, before we're going to wrap this up. And um, this is just, oh, my goodness. I just had my question and I blanked on it. What was my question? Give me a second. Right, Seriously, Chris. I'm feeling so stupid, but I just I literally had this question. Well, while he looks me. that up, I'll, can I ask you uh, the the process leading up to introducing the and implementing the Swedish comp? Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Was there like a, a lot of positive reaction or resistance? Um, both before it and was, after. Uh, the the, pos- uh, the Swedish comp was picked for one reason, and that reason a region the reason mm-hmm. was because. Um, you can effectively take whatever you want as long as you're willing to pay the penalty or give the opponent the points advantage going into it. So if you want to take your double A-bomb, you could. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to take an ETC comp army, you could. If you wanted to just take handgunners and Lothar Seaguard, you could. You know, mm-hmm. um, it basically, um, it didn't 
uh, it, it fit in the scheme because it's something all the regions could do. Like um, the Midwest guys play no comp. You guys could play whatever army you usually field, right. you know. And the guys who play heavy comp, well, guess what? They can play what they want to field, you know. Because if we did open no comp, um, the the guys who play in comp environments would scream foul. Right. And if we did a hard comp like etc, saying, "Hey, you can only take one frost phoenix," some Midwest dude's gonna be like, "Dude, I paid and bought two right, frost right. phoenixes. Why I want to play with my it? toys." Yeah, yeah, you know. You get that, so, you, Chris. Literally only from you. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so you, so it's it's part of finding what works. And to be honest with you, maybe it's time. Um, and this is one I'm going to put forward. Maybe it's time that the United States comes up with their own comp. You know, there's the mm. you know South Coast GT comp. There's the uh, mm. ETC comp. There's you know um, all these no comp. There's right. you know Swedish comp. There's different systems out there maybe it's time but, to put the american comp under the stage yeah yeah well maybe maybe it's something that you know i mean we have a lot we have uh, 90% of well i would say we have all the, the main leaders of the country working towards a common goal you know i think the the masters has shown it's been hugely popular with all the regions everyone is on board now with wanting to make it succeed i haven't heard the other receptions or the interviews yet so maybe i'll be surprised <laughs> but I, i'd like to think from the feedback i've got for internationally and uh from podcasters across the pond from twitter um i'd like to think uh it was well received to the best of our ability in the first year anyway and um Maybe with all that brain trust, with with all those uh, people working together, maybe it's just time to uh, come up with something that we all can live with, you know, and we all can kind of call our own. And that would be kind of neat. And I think that would probably be the most difficult thing to figure out ever. And it probably will never happen. But, you know, why not is my question. Yeah, true. It's, it's quite an endeavor. And I like David Whitek to head up that committee. Yeah, you, you keep volunteering me for stuff. You should, you should do that, David. I volunteer, Chris, you to edit this show. <laughs> I, no. I don't have the computer to do that. Oh, there so. you, go. you can take it home. Right. <laughs> no, put it in a box. There you go. Um, so, listen, I got one last question before we go, and I just wanted to get this sort of set straight because I've been asked this by a couple people. I've seen it. I saw it pop up on the forums. Um, I know when you first started putting this together, Jerry that there was talk that this and and basically I I heard you talking about it in the beginning and then it sort of seemed to drop off the map and I'm wondering if you personally sort of put that idea aside um but I know some people were saying oh you know this is going to be this is going to help decide to be a feeder for the ETC team and I know we don't have any say even if you know you went you could do whatever you want in the masters the way the ETC is set up is that you know the previous team gets to make those decisions but, I mean, right now, the, the whole concept of using this as a feeder system for that was, I mean, that was, that was basically shelved. That was something that got set yeah, on the show. And was... got, it got set on Garage Gamer, and even on the, when we did the bits coverage, we mentioned it. And we had mentioned that, and it, and it basically, it's, it's like the rumor that won't die. So I'm giving yeah, you the well, opportunity to kill it. It, it, was, it was an idea that we thought um, originally uh, that, would have merit from allowing the current players of the ETC see the capabilities of the players not in the ETC. Um, that said, uh, the ETC team selection thing is um, very, very uh, 
convoluted in the sense that um, there's no like kind of like our regional thing. Um, there's no set path. The ETC doesn't care how you select your team. Just that you know, basically each country figures it out. Um, and right now. I don't think as a country we are there yet just because uh, there's a lot of things to factor in. Like, um, uh, I think there's a comfort level, just like uh, I was talking with uh, Chris about traveling to a different part of the country with no one you know. um, That has to play a part into it. And um, those are some things we've probably overlooked when we first thought about it. Um, But, yeah, when you're traveling 9,000 miles to Serbia – you don't want to go with some jabroni that you don't like, you know. So it's <laughs> it's it's um that's a big investment of time, money, playtesting. Right. And I did have an interview with the ETC team on One Spitten's YouTube channel um, to kind of you know clear the air and you know give them a, a venue to kind of. Uh, say their side because um, they've caught a lot of flack uh, recently and uh, some of it is uh, not deserved um, and some of it's just basically you know how they came off whether intentionally or not intentionally um, and, and the thing is is the Masters is better off not getting involved with something like the ETC uh Hey guys, if you're the type of person who would rather have oral surgery than put a brush to a model, then let me suggest Guild Painting Services. They're a professional painting service that pride themselves on having customer interaction like going to a local commission painter, but having the quality and speed of a large studio. They build, paint, and convert miniatures for all game systems. They're competitively priced, and if you want to talk quality, go to guildpainting.com and check out the quality of the miniatures that they've got on display. If you're a person who likes to have a beautifully painted army on the table but doesn't have either the time, desire, or ability to bring it to that standard, you can trust your models to the guys at Guild Painting Services at guildpainting.com. You'll be glad you checked them out. Guys, that again. Later. Warhammer, Warhammer podcast. I've been through my first marathon. No, I need to go buy a new army. I think seven hours and eight minutes of running deserves it. Great show, guys. Thanks. I'm back, David. All right. So, yeah, we lost you what you said, This, you know, the selection of the ETC. You said it was convoluted. You said that, uh, you yeah, know, it was best that, that you American stayed Masters, out of it. Yeah, the American Masters would not be part of the ETC. That there'd be right, two separate right. And, and I'll, I'll finish that. And the, the reason why is um, the American community, we're just not there yet. Um, and uh, basically... We need more uh, nation or community building events to get to know one another, to um, learn to respect each other's opinions, not necessarily with trolling each other to death, um, and to you know go out there and 
figure out what we can do as a community. And the thing is, is um, I don't think we're there yet. I think it's going to be a little bit of ways. I mean, there there are some ideas to uh, maybe making a more national team later. Um, but like I said, I think um, for the time being, that that ship is a sail. That ship is mm-hmm. a, its own little deal. And uh, my focus right now is mainly to bring the United States committee, community together um as one before we get in there and uh, you know start looking outside. All right, and like I said, cool. I just I knew that we had discussed that. And I knew it kind of dropped off, and it still comes up when I talk to people. People who email me or talk to me on the phone and stuff like that, or or you know send stuff on you know on on Twitter. You know, but isn't this supposed to be that? So then, why are they doing it this way? And I'm like, I really right. don't think it's an ETC feeder anymore. Right. Well, what what I, I, don't, can, I don't think it ever was. It was just it was something. It was an in idea. A discussion. It, it, hey, maybe we could do it for that. And that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was an, an idea that uh, popped out of the brain trust of uh, the community leaders. With uh, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could all get along so well that we could do this? And that was maybe putting the cart in front of the horse a little bit. What I would say to your listeners. Um, is get invested with your region, your scene, and uh, in some regards, the U.S. Masters will be an accessible event, um, not necessarily like the the ETC in the team format, but in, uh, in in the same type of venue where you don't have to leave your country and you can represent your region with your buddies. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's a little bit more accessible. Than you know, perhaps traveling across the world, mm-hmm. um, and it builds the community. So uh, you know that's not a bad trade-off, all things considered. And uh, honestly, I think for the United States community as a whole, it's probably better um, because anyone can go. You know, if David does well enough uh, and wins an event, he can go. If Chris Hughes does well enough, he can go. I live in New Mexico and fly to wherever and won't play in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I can go, you know. So it's it's something that's open to everybody, and um, I think that's what's going to give this event legs. And uh, I think that's what if most people focus on um, getting out there and seeing different communities, they have to remember the United States is the size of you know almost the size of a continent if you want to get out there and see uh wider meadows and meet great people um then get on board i mean that's the only way to do it because this event will never be exclusive it's inclusive i mean um you know one of the people on twitter who was most resilient to the idea when it first came aboard grant right this dude i, I went drinking with grant uh, you know, and we had introduced him on all the YouTube episodes as Grant Fetter of Garage Hammer, mm-hmm. just to throw that out there. Um, and uh, basically, uh, this dude ended up showing up to the Masters, and uh, to my understanding, he had a great time. You know, so uh, if we can get a critic like Grant on our side, I think everybody would be, uh, you know, everybody should be willing to give it a shot if you can. I mean, it's going to be fun. Excellent. Well, I yeah, you, you you guys certainly did a good job, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things progress. And well, when I win bits, then I'll have my opportunity to decide if I'm going to go or not. So, yeah. Well, do you think your wife would let you go, Dave? Uh, no, I don't think she will at all. <laughs> yeah, you got to tell her it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. There tell you her go. you'll sell the podcast. School, what? Yeah. So you know, give it to uh, send it to Christopher wherever he is now. Oh, have sure. him run it. Oh, okay, I got you. <laughs> Yes. Well, you never know. So we'll see what happens. 
when I win, then I can start wheedling and de- wheeling and dealing. We're going to hold you to that. Yeah, you, you have to win. I'm yeah. oh, anything short of that is, is there a any total, doubt? total failure. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you can. Uh, you know, some of those slow pitches is like Chris, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right, right. You know, oh look, you're playing your son third game in a row. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, I, the sad part is I, I don't think I'd have be 3-0 at that point. That's the problem. <laughs> then you must dye your, your beard orange. Uh, Anything else uh, you wanted to mention, Jerry, in terms of the Masters or Warhammer no, in general? I, I think that's it. I think, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, I think... Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see well what the upcoming years uh, bring. You know, hopefully, uh, like I said, uh, the end of this, the award ceremony. Um, how uh, and I kind of got from one of my clubmates. Uh, you know, and uh, American Warhammer's gone through basically three phases. You know, and the first one was where Games Workshop had all those tournaments like in Baltimore mm-hmm. and you know GTs, Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah, and they started all these events, and then they pulled out. And the indie GT scene mm-hmm. sprung up, and we made our own GTs. You know, screw it. And we did all these other events all over different pe- regions of the country, mm-hmm. and we made our own communities because we didn't need GW anymore. We made our own thing. Well, now I think we're hitting the like third age of uh, American Warhammer, where now we can bring those communities together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with the indie GT, GT scenes, now we're starting masters and have an actual national identity like all the other countries. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that in of itself is a pretty good deal. And if we uh, are at least halfway successful with that, then I think we've uh, accomplished our goal. I, I agree. You have people talking about Warhammer and playing the game, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, and I, from my understanding, in the United States at least, the uh, fantasy scene is uh, now stronger than the 40K tournament scene. Now, that might just be a nasty rumor, but you know, I take some pride in that. It's better. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I know that right off the bat, so... Yeah, well, I think it's better, too. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Jerry, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and uh, going through all this and explaining all this to people and what happened and kind of telling us all you you did to... to get this going and um and if you'd be uh willing and able we'd love to have you back on again to talk future masters as things develop well um i aim to try to qualify again this year now whether or not i do is uh, up in the air but if i do i don't know if i'll be so uh i mean it, once it becomes your baby you want to make sure uh before you hand it off to the next region uh it's standing on its own two legs so oh, yeah. uh if it's in the mid well it's going to be in the mid-atlantic again next year um and if i qualify it'd be very difficult for me to sit out a second year because you know lord knows where we go next and right. who knows if i'll i mean the scenes are just growing i mean like uh we've had Every event um, since the Masters came, like for um, the Mid Atlantic, uh, have all sold out within 48 hours. Like you know, we got a 128 man event, like the 50 man ETC events now, 80 players. Um, you know, we even had a, a one day now, uh, like a um, uh, a new event that started had like a cap of like you know 32 people. Just first first event that these folks ever ran it sold out within like eight hours um so you know that's uh, the community uh i think is responding well Mm -hmm. and uh i think um that that's how it is i think the the, um, uh, american 
Warhammer Fantasy uh, GT scene is just getting bigger. I mean, and that's great. That's great for all of us. The problem is, of course, it's more competition for all of us. So sure. <laughs> there's that too. But, uh, you know, competition's a good thing. Absolutely. More tournaments I won't get to go to. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> well, one final question. Um, kind of on behalf of Justin Berge, this year's Masters winner. Oh, that's right. That's right. If Since he had won, does the, the winner of the Masters get an auto-invite to the next year's Masters? You know what, man? I wanted to do that I asked last him year. He said he didn't know. <laughs> and so then we asked Bruins, and he's like, he's I don't know. know. <laughs> so we're working our way up. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, I should know. But to be honest with you, I don't know. I think um, – I would love to uh, do that, but then the question is, it's going to be uneven. So mm-hmm. do we do um, an 81-man event and then have – and this would be the only way to do it because you don't want to take he, – he won from the Midwest. You don't want to take one of the Midwest spots away, right? right? So um, what you'd have to do is say all, ten, all eight regions get their 10 slots. That's 80 people. Right. The reigning champion gets his slot. That's 81 people. Then the Friday before the event have a, a grinder, four games, whoever can put 15 bucks down. The winner of that four-game uh, four grinder, however many people it is, he gets an invite, like kind of like the NCAA tournament. Like, oh, you know, see. you win yeah, and you're in. I don't know if that would work. Well, I mean, it could work, but it would strongly favor the regions – Sure. Who are but but you know what I tell you what man there's guys like Texas uh, Texas had a couple guys that weren't playing that showed up same thing with um, uh, the Northeast the Mid Atlantic guys had guys in and out like Eric Lindley was in and out over the weekend a couple guys were just you know in and out hanging out I mean so if they want to travel with their friends they want to see what the Masters is about and there's a chance they get in just like the ETC has that. Uh, singles event before the etc i mean maybe it's maybe it's not a bad idea if our goal is being inclusive well let's just say that this is an idea though that this is off the top of your head before this suddenly becomes well didn't he say that they're going to have some tournament and any fool could win and be on the masters we're just theorizing yeah well i mean we'd have to fight off the uh magic the gathering nerds that are uh occupying the venue the friday before (laughs) friday night magic man excuse me but you need to leave i'm trying to play a card here I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. Basically, wow, I just offended another ten percent of our listenership. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I played Magic probably at one point in my life. You know, I did. I played for years. So, man, you guys are nerds. Yeah, Shut I never up. played that stuff. You really, really never David? I, I was just saying that to see if you would say something, David. Before I got into <laughs> before I got into Warhammer, I played with guys who did not play tabletop wargaming. They played board and card games and magic was one that was just easy to get into and play and we used to play it <laughs> you all don't the have time to, you don't have to justify your i reaction. justify it take it easy play relax we're all friends here well uh, you guys had questions for me let me ask you guys a question hell no oh go okay ahead, sorry. fine fair enough <laughs> um the midwest i think was the most resilient of the uh Resistant, not resilient. Most most resistant of the communities towards the masters because they were uh, quote unquote worried about like the uh, the ugly side of the hobby, the uber competitiveness. Um, speaking to some of the guys, uh, it looks like it got a lot of positive feedback. Look, looks like a lot of people were excited. But you guys were on the ground floor. Um, 
where how's the Midwest feeling towards the event now? Because part of my job is constant PR, making sure everyone's happy and dandelions are all over the place. You know what I mean? So, um, what was the type of reception the event got from the uh, Midwest that you guys could see? Well, for my part and the people I've talked to leading up to it, um, there was some apprehension. You know, are we yeah. sending our our best team? You know, right. you know, we're, we're going to go there and show up, and our team is just going to get, uh, you know, from a competitive standpoint, just blasted. So why are we doing this? Yeah, and I think well, and that a lot of that also stemmed from some of this regional nonsense because right. us being the you know the the sort of group that we are, you know, you want to go to this event and have the people who sit around saying. You're just a bunch of idiot garage gamers who are playing out of the box Warhammer, and everybody knows that that's just six dice dwellers, and you're a moron. You, you show up at the Masters, and suddenly we all tank, and it's like, see, told you, morons. But don't and hold not- back, David. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, okay, I'm just repeating Those dwarfs. You never know. <laughs> I'm just repeating stuff that have book of grudges. Stuff Indeed. that has appeared on the forums, and that's what well, a lot of people say the about Midwest, the Midwest. The Midwest and- has no has been known for you know strong, certainly strong paint. And maybe a more laid back type of play, mm-hmm. not not you know not the not the cutthroat competitive type play. So knowing that, going sending our team, uh, you know, to the Masters, we just weren't sure how our team would would stack up. Now that was going into the event. Certainly yeah. after the event, when all the results were posted, I myself and a lot of people were pleasantly shocked. That the Midwest, yeah, did you know so, much so confidence well? In your uh, other regions, well, well, it's only, not that. only because of you know who we were sending and who we were going up oh, against from a purely I mean, competitive point of view. Yeah, well, look at it this way though. I mean, let's face it. Uh, you got uh, Bruins and Gerald and Johnny and Alex Davy. They're no slouches, and even the Cossack that came up. What's his name? Meal. Uh, <laughs> that dude, <laughs> the Cossack guy. That was my favorite guy. He. He showed up, and this dude rocked out with a mortar, and he took, like, tied for 10th place. Yeah. God, I mocked him all weekend, too. It was great. We heard about that, actually. Yeah, he, he Favorite guy in the world. I love that guy. Yeah, Neil is a good I, player. He, I, he makes no mistakes. Yeah, he played uh, Lord Inquisitor, I guess, uh, of YouTube fame. He's my clubmate, Owen. And this dude was uh, on the YouTube. We had a, a YouTube special during the event, and we had uh, basically like three of the four horsemen of American Warhammer Apocalypse, right? And we had Gerald, uh, Owen, and then we had Laro. Basically, all the guys, they had like 21 grand tournament wins in like the past four years Jeez. between these three dudes, right? So these guys win. So uh, I think Meal was playing Owen, uh, table seven. Uh, game four. So it's getting up there, right? Mm-hmm. And Mio 20 knows him with a freaking flagellants in a mortar. Wow. I was like, sweet, you know. And that was just another person putting the, uh, you know, old Siberian freight train to the gulag, you know. Good job, <laughs> Mio. My boy. Um, yeah, and then basically Suboptimal that. Midwest choice in garage gaming, no knowing how to play. Oh, 20-nil meal with his right. I love me. Well, the Midwest, well, you know, certainly showed their stripes. And, yeah, yeah know, and that's, that's, that's a little friendly talk. I mean, overall, top down to bottom, uh, the Northeast just smashed everyone's back doors mm-hmm. in. I think oh, they, yeah. fi- they figured out the puzzle of the uh, Swedish system the best. Um and uh, it, it showed, you know, other guys uh, 
they they weren't just razor owned mm-hmm. uh the the northeast took an actual team approach to it like play testing and sharing their what they found and stuff like that whereas i think all the other regions suffered through multiple drops i mean including oh, yeah. our i know region. the midwest did for sure yeah i mean the midwest suffered through like four or five drops mm-hmm. uh the california the last folks. two weeks as well i mean oh, grant, it was had, bad. grant had 10 days to get ready and get a list together and figure out what he's going to do and I mean, and a lot of the guys. I mean, you know, you, you're going to sit here and say, you know, like, oh, I know Gerald and and them didn't practice all that much for this. They weren't getting, you know, they weren't looking at. Okay, this is what the terrain is going to be. This is what the snare is going to be. Let's put it out. Let's practice. But then again, Gerald never practices. So it's, I don't think it's right. it's not like saying, oh, we Midwestern guys, we yeah. weren't all practicing. Now, granted, well, we I, didn't have that team. The, I mean, the Northeast did, and they knew it. They said we're going to take five of the top ten spots. This is how we play. This is this is the way we do things. And yeah, they did. They did really right. well. But that's that's a well. level of dedication and practice before this that I don't know that any of the other. Right. I know we didn't come close. But then again, like I said, Mike Gill just wins stuff. He doesn't even. Yeah. yeah well, and and I think I think part of that is uh, because those guys are used to going to etc environments where they have to put the time in to uh, to study it and break it down. And it worked out for them well here. I think next year um all the regions are going to be coming back with the heat um i know uh the mid-atlantic i've shamed my own region beyond you know countless hours of mocking um you know so i know they'll do better or they're going to try to do better otherwise they risk another year of mocking (laughs) um uh, the midwest again the midwest finished second in region but they swept all the Mm -hmm. individual awards um and there's something to be said for that they got painting sports and overall um now does that make them the best region uh Yes and no, because they had, you know, the best overall and then the best place. You don't have to sugarcoat it, Jerry. We know we're the best region. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but, but the, what that does is that gives us some uh, that gives us uh, some friendly badgering uh, that hopefully go. won't turn into a troll. No. And, and honestly, know. though, seriously, Northeast, congratulations to them. They went in there and they said, that, you know, we're going to win this team thing. And they did. They came in and they smashed face and they... And they and they did yeah, really I mean, well. Collectively, they certainly performed. They definitely showed this is how you prepare for something like this because each and every one of those guys came ready to go. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think um, I, I think it was just it was really it, it did its job. The Masters as a whole. I, I spent at least one night drinking with people from every single region. Um, and uh, that was cool. Like, uh, you know, Thursday night I was with the West Coast Hammer Club Capri guys and Hengel and the West Coast guys. And Friday afternoon and evening I was eating dinner with, uh, you know, the ETC team and uh, Larry and Keith and all those guys. And then Friday night um, – poor uh the midwest guys just got in and then i barged into the hotel room you know going on drunken rants and then you know um then saturday night i was hanging out with the guys from texas you know so um for me it it succeeded on all accounts everyone got to, you got to meet everybody and if nothing else it opened up doors because now people will a lot of invitations went out to a lot of different people about hey why don't you come play with us sometime and i think that's very very important you know it's, it's going to be cool because now wherever you want to go if you've been there you'll know some of the people there and you'll know some of the top players there and you know maybe they'll say hey come crash at our place i mean i've gotten a couple invites already saying hey you got a place to stay just buy your ticket and get your butt over here you know it's okay <laughs> yeah nice all right. Um, yeah. 
Bob. So that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, folks, that's an episode. We got to shut this down. We got this is got to get going here. Yeah, so. Certainly more Masters talk in the future, but this will Definitely. wrap it up for Yeah, this is wrapping Masters up for 2014, right? Yeah. yeah, wrap it up for 2014. So, all right, Jerry, once again, you know, obviously welcome back on whenever. And um, Chris, good show. Folks, thank you much for listening. Go on the Garage Hammer store, buy a hoodie. <laughs> Give us an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are nice. Don't forget the contest. Got one more episode, I think, until we're going to pick somebody. Um, For the best army. Seems everybody jumping on the forum. (laughs) The only people who are actually bothering to vote are people who like to hear army, like the long version of it. Uh, I really don't. I don't know that that's indicative of the people's general consensus. <laughs> I think the people who don't like it also have better things to do with their time than go on the, call than it go on the forum and tell me, <laughs> "No, don't do that stupid long army." So, well, we'll see what happens. And we'll see how the votes pan out. Exactly. Yeah. All right, that's it. Uh, episode ninety-three coming up at the end of the month, um, and then ninety-four is Adepticon. And ninety five slash ninety six will probably be a dwarf review. So what's going to happen for this hundredth uh, episode, there, Dave? Oh, I'm trying to plan something. I'd love to do a live episode. It'll be in the summer Ooh. if we can get Daniel to figure out how to work this thing properly, and he can get us on a, on a speedy enough server. We'd like to do a live episode, but if not, then we'll just record a bunch of stuff for weeks ahead of that time from lots of different people. Oh, you yeah. can have oh, uh, yeah. Dave talking to the Master Engineer for the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't like to talk to me. He, he calls me Elvish. the fat manling and sometimes the stupid manling. I get the so. Elvish craftsman out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> work on some kind of uh, accent. Yeah, there you go. So, All right, folks. See you in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support GarageHammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.